Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network. I'm Nate Thurston. Across from me is Mr. Charles Chuck Thompson. How's it going today, Charles Chuck Thompson? I know it's nighttime, but it feels like morning. It feels like that's how alive and rejuvenated... I feel. I feel like I just woke up ready to, you know, take on the day. Like long, you took and I like, have all this hope. You took like a six-hour nap. I have all this hope that you have in the morning before mm-hmm. the day gets at you, you know? That's, yeah. a, that's what I feel like right now at night. So, uh, Nate and Charlie, once again, if, if it's your first time listening to us, thank you for checking this out, for hanging out with us. We're hanging out with our live group, who's on the Discord right now, the private Discord, joingml.com. They're in the Fed Haters Club, all right? They're not honorary members. They're each paying at least six bucks a month, sometimes more, depending on how much they care about liberty and the future of humanity. Yep. And so we judge mm-hmm. that by how much they choose to pay uh, every month. So anyway, if it's your first time listening, uh, go find us on your podcast app, our normal podcast, which is called Good Morning Liberty. And Liberty at Night, along with all of the other great Free Talk Live shows, can be found on, uh, on your podcast app under Free Talk Live. Not Stitcher can, anymore, I don't think. Not I Stitcher. Think, I think they got no, rid of that. That's your favorite. There's a bug flying around. There's a bug flying around here. Okay. Anyway, um, it's Tuesday. We're going to talk about Tuesday things. Uh, but first, yesterday was Milton Friedman's birthday. And before the show, we listened to one of his greatest videos, which was a segment called I Pencil. And that, that's a really great one. I wanted to play one selfishly. What is my favorite clip from Milton Friedman? And it's not the one that you think it's going to be. It's not even the one from Phil Donahue, which, of course, is an amazing clip. All right. That's, I would say, one of the ones he's most known for. What I want to play is my favorite one that I think applies to the situation we're in today. As we see all these things that government officials are doing that we hate And we keep thinking that we are going to elect the perfect person who's going to be in office for a single term or maybe two terms. And then everything's going to be great after that, as long as we keep the right people in power. And Milton, like 50 years ago, was doing this speech and explained to people how that that doesn't need to be your goal. All right. But in all seriousness, we'll play this is like a 30 second clip of Milton Friedman talking about uh, how it's not about getting the right people, whether it's. He's not talking about these people, but Trump or DeSantis or Biden or Ramaswamy or whoever it is or libertarians into office. All right. What matters is that politicians, they react to the incentives that we place in front of them. And what they care about most is keeping their job. They want to win reelection. And these people are basically hollow shells of human beings that go in there and say yay or nay. That's that's essentially what they do. Well, they've passed off most of their job to all these agencies yeah. they created. And what do we do about the agencies? Well, maybe we get the perfect person in power that's going to remove those agencies too. Uh, or we make it known that this is what the people want. The people who don't do this don't get elected. It's actually all up to us. It's up to the society and the American people to create that. It could be the same people. It could be Trump or it could be, it could be Biden. Biden could do the things that you want as long as it's what the people want him to do because he wants to keep his job for as long as humanly possible, all right? Which for him, I think... Until death. Couple, to yeah, until death to his part with Biden. That's good. <laughs> anyway, let's listen to Milton's 34-second clip. I'm surprised his son's escapades haven't killed him. I mean, the amount of stress that that would cause. Well, that's the good, the benefit of... 
having dementia. You know, you don't really know what's going on. I'm sure someone who was all there, it would. It's like Ted Lasso, be a goldfish. Yeah, he he forgets about it immediately. Be a goldfish, eight-second memory. All right, here's Milton talking about this. 34 seconds, Milton, go. We must not kid ourselves into thinking that we're going to remedy it by the easy way of electing the right people to office. That will not work. Once they get into office, they're going to be subject to the same pressures and the same drives as the people we might regard as the wrong people. In fact, I have often said that the right solution is not to elect the right people to office, but to make it politically profitable for the wrong people to do the right thing. Make it politically profitable Mm -hmm. for the wrong people to do the right thing. And I have... I have paraphrased and misquoted that so many times on this show, but say, I, it, say it five times and now you'll never do it again. Wrong people, right thing, mm-hmm. because we're not going to get the perfect people in office ever. And in fact, even if we do get the perfect people, they're going to mess it up too, because they're human beings and they're subject to the same pressures. And if the people want something else and if they're going to lose their job immediately or they're going to get impeached because the people who impeach them are going to keep their jobs if they impeach them, it's not going to matter. And if the right people think that they're so benevolent, right, that they're going to get in and and do the right thing. Now, they may be able to do some things, but that's so egotistical, you know, to not look at what the incentive structures are. You know, I would say I think even Trump tried to do some of the right things and then still succumb to some of the pressure. And what do we know about Trump? Do you think Trump is a very principled conservative? He just lives out his principled conservative values, you know, or did he change a little bit so he could win election as a Republican and become the president? And he said some of the right things that people would like, and they would go vote for him. And it's a great, it's a great example. I would say you saw a big change in Donald Trump from the time that he was, the Donald Trump that we all knew before he was uh, a politician uh, from the time that he was the president. He just wanted to get elected. And I want everyone to keep that in mind as we go through some of the following stories, because we're going to be talking about a lot of different things. And it can seem like, oh, we got to get rid of this guy. We got to get rid of this guy. We got to get someone in there who's going to just hit the delete button on things like this. And, And that's fine, too. But what's most important is that we change and that the people around us change and that we have sort of a, a moral awakening uh, in and our society. We create a system, which is what the free market is, essentially, that forces wrong people to do the right thing. It does. If they want to stay in business, they do. They have to do the right thing, which is provide value. Eat, mm-hmm. You got to do the right thing. So create the incentive structure for the right thing to happen. And it doesn't matter who gets in power. We've talked about this so many times on the podcast. It's not about the people. Mm-mm. It's about the system. So with without uh, any further talking on this subject, I want to get to the first story that I, I think is ridiculous. And it has to do with John Curry. And he's out there talking about climate change. He's our climate czar or whatever he's the u.s special presidential envoy for climate so this is the al gore task you know speaking on behalf of the climate and the president at the same time is this the al gore of of millennials yeah although al gore i would find him riveting compared to john (laughs) Kerry talking about things yeah but you mentioned that people got to eat 
well, wouldn't you know it, John Kerry was out there talking about one of the one of the big things that we got to tackle here, climate emissions. And what he's speaking on here, agriculture, mm. because that's where a lot of our emissions come from. And so we got to start. Poo. We got to, could be cow poo. Uh, it, it could be even the way that we grow our food. Could be some of the food that we're growing. Well, we got to have these governments around the world coming together, including in the United States, tackling this farmer crisis because well, I'll let him tell it. It's his lie. I'll let him tell it. He looks dead. I got to be honest with you. He, I mean, yeah, I think he did die a few years ago, actually. Wow. From yeah, you're right about that. Look at his eyes. There's something wearing his body, but I'm not sure what's going on. Here we go. Agriculture contributes about 33% of all the emissions of the world, uh, depending a little bit on how you count it, but it's anywhere from 26 to 33. And we can't get to net zero. We don't get this job done unless agriculture is front and center as part of the solution. But with a growing population on the planet, we just crossed the threshold of 8 billion fellow citizens around the world. We just crossed that in this last year. Emissions from the food system alone are projected to cause another half a degree of warming by mid-century on the current course that we are today. A two-degree future could result in an additional 600 million people not getting enough to eat. All right, I want to explain. I want to explain this to you. We have to tackle agriculture because there's too many emissions to stop climate change. Because if we don't stop climate change, we won't have enough food. So we need to tackle the people food. that are food. Yes. Yes. So we if, need to get rid of the food so we have enough food. If we don't prevent the rapid production of enough food for billions of people, then people won't have enough food. Mm. That mm. makes total sense. All right. And you just can't continue to both warm the planet while also expecting to feed it. Doesn't work. So we have to reduce emissions from the food system to keep the 1.5 degrees alive. Why do we have to keep 1.5 degrees alive? Because scientists as a basis of physics and mathematics, not ideology and politics or party labels or anything else, as a matter of physics and mathematics and some biology and chemistry have told us these are the consequences. And we already see it happening. And almost everything they've predicted for 30 plus years now is coming true, but the problem is it's coming true faster and bigger than was in fact predicted. You just, what? You just say it. What? Almost everything. What have they predicted has come true? Name one thing. Can someone actually try and name one thing for us right now? What's one thing? Am I I ignorant to this? Yes, apparently. We all are. What's one prediction they made that has come true? My God. Are the Hamptons (sighs) underwater? And Is New York? Am I missing something? You know what another very popular prediction was that we wouldn't be able to grow enough food to support this many people on the planet. That was when there was like four or five billion. Yeah. <laughs> and then even in the seventies with the, uh, the population bomb, whose book was that? I keep wanting to say Paul Ehrlich is his name. Um, I can't remember if that was him or not, but this Malthusian idea that there's, that there's too many people. Well, on Ehrlich the planet. had a bunch of, yeah, bunch of garbage predictions. There's there's too many people on the planet, and so we have to do something to hold the population down because we're not going to be able to support this many people. 
And he says, we already see it. Are we producing less food now than we did last year? No. And he says that it's going to, it's going to get warmer. And so we're not going to be able to produce food. In fact, getting, we have had the hottest years on record. (laughs) Yes, that is, that is true. There's more hurricanes than there have been since like the 1930s or something like that. It's just, and when you do this, I I guess those are, (laughs) those are the prediction. What bothers me is when you do this, you leave out and now he brings up science. Why, why do we know this? Because scientists have said, and not because of ideology or politics. This is just pure science, Charlie. Mm. As we know, scientists are never captured by political ideologies or political parties or governments. And when the governments are the ones put forward the money to pay specific scientists to do specific studies about things, um, we know this because of scientists, but they ignore science on food production, which let's say it gets a little bit warmer. They got crops now. I mean, they change the freaking makeup of these seeds. The bio, and I know people, some people don't like that, but you get a little bit warmer climate. Well, buy this, this bag of seed. It's, you know what it says? A little bit of warmer climate seed is what it says. You just buy that. Is it drier over here? Well, buy the little bit of drier, warmer climate seeds. And you know what it, else is crazy? That in North America, there's now more forests in North America than there ever have been. I know. Largely due to the climate getting a little bit warmer. It's, yeah. Like, but things just move up a little bit. What's so interesting, when the, I was thinking about that this morning, actually, because I was listening to, um, I think I was listening to Apocalypse Never on the way here. I was actually listening to that a couple of days ago. And yeah. um, it it really is weird how Earth could figure out a way to work all this out because as it gets a little bit warmer, it makes it to, to where things can grow a little bit more. Uh, actually carbon, this car, you know, this bad stuff destroying us. Well, that's plant food. Oh yeah. And so you actually can get more plants at that time. Plant air. Those are also carbon scrubbers yeah. from the atmosphere. You know, when a plant is in the ICU <laughs> and they're on the ventilator, yes, it's not oxygen they're Mm-mm, pumping in no. to those leaves. No, Mm-mm. that's carbon. No, that they got them hooked up straight to. carbon, carbon right dioxide, in, right into their veins, <laughs> just carbon line, right in there. That's right. Oh man, I'm telling you what. There's a lot of people calling for Biden to to officially declare a climate crisis mm. and use executive order a climate emergency, which is something that conspiracy theorists have been saying for years, those crazy, crazy kooks yeah. have been out there saying for years uh, that they were going to use emergency declarations to control energy and food production and all of that, just like they use things during COVID. And we're getting really close to that. And as you keep force feeding this narrative that we're in the hottest year for earth on record, uh, Going dating back to 1978 when they started officially putting back putting together the numbers for Earth, uh, you know, then then people are going to buy it eventually. We switched over this year. A big thing that I noticed that we've talked about is we switched over to using the heat index numbers a lot. Have you heard? And people, not the actual. I have never seen so many articles about the heat index. What before. it feels like. What it feels like, <laughs> which is because that's it's a much it, higher number. Well, also, the, what it feels like is the most important <laughs> feeling, what you feel. Temperatures don't care about your feelings. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem. The thing is, so it's actually not that far off from what you're saying. I looked into how they calculate the heat index. It's, it's a very subjective, random calculation. It's mainly a survey they said that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you feel like it is today? 
Um, man, I'm feeling like about 129 no, <laughs> out there, man. It's temperature and humidity mainly, but it's also calculated based on people's body mass index, the surface area of your body and how much you're sweating out and what your body feels like the temperature is. And they use like an average aggregate human body to decide what this index number is. It's a very subjective calculation <laughs> that might not even align it's with the majority of the population. Science, though. And this, we're going to talk, uh, you know, we have other climate stuff that's going to be in the uh, the show tonight because this is Liberty at Night right now. Uh, but I think they're going to end up doing some of this climate emergency BS and people need to be on the lookout. You need to read some of these good books like Apocalypse Never and False Alarm and so you can be on your toes while they're trying to force feed you all of this information. When they're telling you, oh, we have so many people dying from heat, you know, that this many people are going to die from heat. You got to remember, way more people die from cold. And so it's not that climate change or hotter temperatures are a net benefit for Earth. But when it comes to temperature related deaths, they are a net benefit because way more people die from the cold than die from the heat. So shut that one down immediately, which means you don't care about people dying from heat. You know, well, that's how it is. So we're against death. I, yeah. I don't like people dying from anything. You know, climate change, heat, cold, viruses, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But you bring up a good point that as the earth, as the earth gets warmer, as the earth gets warmer, mm-hmm. you know what that's I'm how saying? I said it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, less people are going to die from cold, which is a good thing. I'm also, I'm just so tired of this garbage. Like why can't we just talk about the truth? You know, there's all of these, like they put these spins and it's all for power. Of course it is. It's all to grab power. And he's trying to say it's not partisan or it's not this, or it's not tied to ideology. It absolutely is because also tied to money and money. And Mm -hmm. when you skew the numbers like this, um, it's, you have an agenda Mm -hmm. behind it. Like, let's just transparently talk about the truth. I, you know, Nate and I for a long time have said that I that humans probably do have some effect, a little bit of effect, and that's simply just because we're taking carbon out of the ground and we're releasing it into the air. Now, does that mean that humans are going to cause this global catastrophe? Absolutely not, be, because the science doesn't put it there. It it doesn't. Like even if let's say humans were to actually raise the temperature like four or five degrees. Centigrade. Fahrenheit? Centigrade. Centigrade. Ooh. Yeah. That's a lot. That still wouldn't cause a global catastrophe. And there's also things that we can do to adapt that are far better. And one of the problems you said, you know, of course it's ideology. And of course we can't just have rational conversations about this. That's why I love some of these books. You know, uh, Michael Schellenberger, Apocalypse Never. Michael Schellenberger believes that human beings are causing uh, some climate change. And you read this book And it just takes apart all of these disastrous climate change narratives because no one is doing anything that could actually solve the problem. That's what's so important. You know, we read that uh, that tweet later. We'll be reading this tweet uh, about the the girl who wants to ban golf courses and private jets and do weight limits or, you know, weight based fees for cars. It's a great tweet. Yeah. Really, really good tweet. Can't can't wait to show it to you here in a bit. She's solving climate change. Yeah. The thing is, none of the plans that people are putting forward are going to do anything. And so not only do we argue about whether or not human beings are causing climate change, not only do we argue 
uh, about these little things like golf courses or planes or whatever, or we talk about funding and whether or not we should have the right to set our thermostats wherever we want or buy the water heater that we want. We're not even talking about the fact that you, we can't even agree on that. Then you got to talk about the fact that the things people are proposing aren't even projected to do anything about it. Like, if they do it perfect, if all the governments around the world were perfect, virtuous angels who enacted every policy, and remember what that entails, not only do you have to, say, sign a law, Biden signs a law, okay? Not only does he have to sign a law, then the next president that comes into office has to not touch the law. And then the next one has to not touch the law. And then for the next 40 or 50 years... They have to not change anything they about what those laws the are. Law, they have to enforce And it. all the other governments around the world have to do the same thing for the next 50, 60, 80 years. And never change. It only worked. It wouldn't work anyway, but it would only work if you had a one world government that, were, that was ruling every single thing and making decisions for everyone at the same time. Well, that's now the, you're a kook. That's the only way that it would feasibly work if it were even a real thing that could solve the problem in the first place. Now you're just a kook, which, man. Which it's not. But I'm saying that's what you'd have to do. Mm. And so we that's why I think it's good to to let your guard down and say, okay, sure, human beings, we listen, there's a balance of nature. Without human beings here, or let's let's just say we hadn't developed technology or whatever, there's a balance of carbon and we die and it goes into the ground, and then some of it, you know, could get burned or whatever, it goes back in the atmosphere, trees grow, all this stuff. Earth kind of naturally works like this. Okay, I know. Um, Earth kind of naturally works like this. So we could say, sure, in the past hundred years, have we upset that natural balance that Earth had for a long time compared to what it was for the four and a half billion years previously? Sure, I'm sure we threw off the rate at which things were going into the atmosphere. But if we're going to change that, we'd have to even talk about things that would work. And we're not even doing that. We're not even talking about freaking nuclear energy which is the thing that would stop almost all the energy around the world from polluting the atmosphere. And the people who pretend to care about it happen to be against nuclear energy, the thing that would take away the most amount of carbon from the atmosphere. Because it's not about that. And the technology now is available where they could actually burn the waste. It's, yeah, they can use nuclear. And people will say, whoa, well, this creates too much waste. Watch the freaking documentaries. It uses the waste to make the energy. All right, I'm pounding the table talking about this. All right. Because it's time to wake up. Coming up, we're going to talk about Cori Bush and the Housing Bill of Rights. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Unfortunately, due to government meddling, the company that partnered with Dash to offer Dash Direct is leaving the crypto business. However, they weren't the only provider of discounted gift cards for Dash. BitRefill.com has been accepting Dash for years and has a ton of big-name retailers and brands, including grocers, gas stations, phone refills, Amazon, and even prepaid MasterCards. You could actually live off your Dash using bitrefill.com. Plus, many of their gift cards come with a discount. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. What's up? 
What's up, y'all? This is Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network, talking to you about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. Charlie and I have a daily podcast called Good Morning Liberty. You can find that on your favorite podcast app. Or if you want to listen to this whole show, tonight's whole show, on a podcast app, then you can go find Free Talk Live. We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning instead of happiness, because we think that pursuing a meaningful life is the most important thing. Happiness comes and goes from time to time. But as long as you have meaning and purpose, like we do, like fighting for individual liberty, for limited government, for more personal freedom, and then you can make it through. You can make it through anything. We are free market, unapologetically free market enthusiasts. We think the market knows best and we don't like all the government intrusion. That's why we're about to talk about light bulbs. I know you're sad about it. You don't need me to tell you, but the incandescent light bulb is no more. Mm. All right. Now that is the light bulb uh, that began all the light bulbs. That's that's the, father, the one. It's the father of light bulbs. Mm-hmm. All right. Starting in August, Americans will only be able to purchase LED lights from retailers across the nation as an official ban on incandescent light bulbs will be in full effect. Now, this is like a Look ban. Look at ban. your country looking out for you, folks. It's Yeah, it's for yeah. you. Now, we, we already had a thing with incandescents, by the way, where they weren't able to manufacture them. They became way more expensive. They used to be like 30, 40 cents a bulb. And they spiked up to a couple bucks a bulb. Uh, of course, the cheap the cheap ones that you could get increased by like 300% in cost. And um, that's because they weren't able to manufacture them. You could still sell them, but you couldn't manufacture them. Now, you can't, you can't make them and you can't sell them. They are going to be an illicit substance, <laughs> essentially. Going to be on the black market. This is an illicit product that you're going to have a fine per bulb yeah. If you are caught just imagine as a retailer selling these. Imagine walking down the street in New York and the guy comes up to you and in his jacket, he's like, Hey man, you know a little bit of weed? You know some cocaine? Mm-hmm. How about a light bulb? Here you go. <laughs> bulbs. I got bulbs. I got you bulbs. Try, you can try them out. They're they're all working. Loose cigarettes, jewels, <laughs> and bulbs, baby. <laughs> soft white. You need soft white. I got that. Yeah. Daylight. 75 watt right here, pure. This is so ridiculous. <laughs> Incandescent light bulbs have been providing light in American homes since the 1800s when Thomas Edison patented the bulbs. But now the nation has evolved into a more energy efficient society and LED lights have become the new norm. Then just let them become the new norm. Why the do you have to ban them? It's actually better when they become the new norm naturally because they have to compete with their with price. And what they've been doing is... And look, I got to tell you something. Like, we just built this house, right? And there's a lot of LED lights in here. And several of them have already gone out. I thought they were supposed to last for like 10 years. They're not. That We have to replace them in our house. It's ridiculous. Lacey just said this last week. She's like, she's like 25 years, my, you know. Yeah. Uh, she's like, we, we have replaced this twice in the last like six months. I think there's a switch inside these LEDs and they just like flip them <laughs> off. Yeah. And GE hits a button that makes like a certain percentage of them pop. Yeah. The federal government's warning started in January and have been getting progressively more aggressive as they want to make sure Americans don't go back in time. <laughs> How heroic. Ah, oh, these people. 
The government announced a ban on the manufacturing and selling of incandescent bulbs, saying it will help Americans save money and help the environment, of course. Mm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The DOE, the Department of Energy, said LED lights provide more light using 75% less energy than than incandescent lights. Take that, Thomas Edison. Idiot. LEDs also last about 25 times longer. Now, just that's what every guy says, too. (laughs) LEDs are, they are better. They're better than incandescent. Depends on okay. what kind of light do you want. They're more durable. You know, you drop a regular bulb, the I'm, filament can kind of break. I'm not you know? saying I hate LEDs. Yeah. All right. I like LEDs. We have plenty of LEDs. There's LEDs all over the place right There's now. There's LEDs all over mm-hmm. in this house. You know, I like them outside. I like them inside. Mm-hmm. But I also like, like that extremely soft, you know, yellow light that you can't get with an LED. You basically can't. I've got, I bought, I should have bought more, but mm-hmm. I bought a bunch of those extremely warm lights <clears throat> because, and sometimes in the living room, I have it pop on at, I've got it hooked up to a timer. Well, mm-hmm. not a timer. I got it hooked up to my home kit. And at sunset, I have an automation set up at sunset, it pops on. And then at midnight, it goes off. Yeah. And it's just like when nothing else is on, it's just this really warm light at night. It's so comforting. It's like a warm glass of milk. <laughs> you know, and then your glass of light. You're laying back in your mm-hmm. chair, yeah, with your, your with your feet kicked up. You know, mm-hmm. watching watching your favorite TV shows must be nice. You know, must be nice. And you, you know about the really warm ones, like the Edison bulbs. Like yes, the, yeah, like super warm, mm-hmm. like yellow. I got you. It's just it's very comforting. All right, you know, and you're watching the righteous. You're watching righteous gemstones. You know, let me tell you about something that I found while I was reading about this. Um, halogen bulbs and compact fluorescent lights will also be banned. Now they're not, I don't think they're in full ban effect, but they're in the phase out period right now. So CFLs, you guys ever seen CFLs? There's those spirally death traps that they uh, sell to you. You know, a little spiral bulb. Oh, it's terrible. You break one part of it. You break it and everyone in the room dies immediately Mm -hmm. is basically uh, what those feel like. So you don't want to break those things. Um, They're phasing those out as well. Those are, those are getting banned. Now, you know what's interesting about this, Charlie, is that when they first started regulating these light bulbs, and this was a Bush law, this, this was in 2007, and then, and then Obama stepped it up, they were trying to push people to those compact fluorescent lights. LEDs were still really expensive at that time because they were kind of new, and they were trying to push people to the compact fluorescent lights because they use less energy. And... You know what Republicans were saying at that time? They were saying that this was going to increase the cost of light bulbs and that they were trying to push people to CFLs, which were dangerous and hazardous for your health. And wouldn't you know it, luckily, PolitiFact fact-checked this back in 2011 about this thing Mm -hmm. and put out a fact-check talking about how they weren't actually banning your incandescent light bulbs, so you don't have to worry about that. And that they're not trying to push people. Yeah, they're trying to push people to CFLs, but the CFLs are not as dangerous as people are saying. And it's you should be more worried about climate change than the mercury that comes from the CFLs. Okay, so from PolitiFact right here, exactly, Costco. Thank you. If you like your light bulb, you can keep your light bulb. That's what they were telling you yeah. at this time. It was going to save you $2,500 a year. PolitiFact says banned light bulbs. Is the government saying no to incandescence? 
And if we go through a little bit of this, uh, to illustrate their point that Democrats are expanding government too much, Republican lawmakers are citing a new law on light bulbs. The law, which sets standards to make the bulbs more efficient and reduce electricity use, has been derided by Michelle Bachman, Joe Barton, I don't know who that is, Ram Paul, Mike Enzi. Some of these people have just moved on. I don't even know who they are. Or died. <clears throat> has exhibit, well, moved on, you know, another way. As exhibit A From of the, the, the liberal assault on the free enterprise system, a recent fundraising letter making the rounds from conservative political action committee warns the Democrats have voted to ban our conventional light bulbs that you use today in favor of dangerous fluorescent light bulbs. Okay. These crazy people and PolitiFact. Uh, let's see by outlawing incandescent lights in favor of compact fluorescent lighting. Uh, the environmentalists said the country would reduce energy consumption by $18 billion a year or save consumers between $80 and $180 on their electric bills per year. The letter states, Electric bills have only gone up. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to save it when you keep doing things to make the electric bill, but it would have gone up by more if you're using all regular light bulbs, mm-hmm. you see. The letter seeks contributions and support, uh, help put an end to government interference in our lives. It encapsulates many of the arguments put forward by opponents on the new light bulb efficiency standards and so we decided to check a number of the claims. Now, one of the claims was incorrect in here. Uh, they say Democrats have already voted to ban our conventional light bulbs in favor of dangerous fluorescent light bulbs. First off, they're correct. PolitiFact is. It's not accurate to pin the law entirely on Democrats because they were expanding on a law that was signed by George W. Bush in 2007 called the Energy Independence and Security Act, which was ex- uh, expanding on a law that was signed in 1975. Uh, so you got to... Be careful what you what power you allow the government to have. More importantly, we found the law does not ban incandescent light bulbs. The law is technology neutral. It just requires new light bulbs to meet efficiency standards. Yeah. So it doesn't ban the bulbs. It just sets the standards so high that you can't yeah. keep making the bulbs. Okay. We're not saying that you can't make a peanut butter sandwich without peanut butter. <laughs> we're just saying that it can't have nuts in it. Yeah. No nuts. <laughs> it's true. That's all we're saying. It's true that the traditional versions of incandescent light bulbs do not meet the new standards and will be phased out of existence. <laughs> Compact fluorescent LED bulbs offer more efficient alternatives, but if incandescent light is your thing, the major light bulb makers have you covered. They're now selling halogen incandescent bulbs that meet the new efficiency standards. Uh, so they ruled this claim pants on fire because they're not banning incandescent bulbs. They just set the standards so high that the incandescent bulbs can't be made. And also now, you see what happens over time? This is in 2011. Now, they're taking building from this exact same thing on top of it and outright banning to where it will be illegal for you to sell them. You're As a, of tomorrow. You are a light dealer and at you, that time. And this is how they gaslight you. It, they Literally. do. But this is what happens about over light time. Bulbs. Anytime, and so they do it like right now, we talk, we've been talking the about- The lantern is flickering, all right? <laughs> We talk about the water heater thing, or we talk about gas stoves, or the, the the pizza ovens in New York, and everyone's like, oh, they're not banning, they're not banning, they're just setting this qualification, guns. this qualification, guns. <laughs> like, oh, no, they're not coming for your, all your guns, they're not going to do it. Yeah. Um, there's nothing in the act that requires you to get rid of the light bulbs you've, you've got, rather the bill sets standards for new light bulbs manufactured or imported to the U.S. Uh, so, yes, they're, uh, not only can people keep using their existing bulbs, stores can continue to sell the old ones. And so at this time, it was a lie when they said that stores would not be able to continue selling them. 
But now they've expanded on this and stores cannot continue selling them. You see, sometimes when people come up with these ideas, people like us, libertarians, will come out and say, well, that is going to mean that they're going to do this. And since they're not currently specifically doing that thing, then someone like PolitiFact can come out and say, well, that's not what they're doing right now. This is a lie. Well, no, you just... You just look at history, you look at what the government does, you look at what direction they're headed, what this is going to lead to, and yeah, it's going to lead to them banning it, of course. Now, what do they have to say about, what are you looking up right now? It's something this has reminded me of that I think is so important. Mm. It's literally probably one of my favorite speeches yeah. of all time, which is give me liberty, give me death. Oh, yeah. 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 Go ahead. You, <laughs> you, want, me to put, you want me to make this point now? Later... The letter claims the new light bulbs will cost roughly six times the cost of the light bulbs we now use. That comes from a U.S. News and World Report story, which states each cone-shaped spiral CFL costs $3 compared with 50 cents for a standard bulb. Now, they want you to know that there are two costs to a light bulb. There's the front-end cost when you go to buy it, and then there's the back-end cost. That's the electricity to operate it. So the letter fails to consider the savings to consumers in the form of lower electric bills, which are all totally made up numbers based on random averages of how much light people use. Can anyone, is is there anyone out there where their electric bill has gone down? No, 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 no. I feel like I've been paying around 150 bucks a month, Mm. 200 bucks a month, somewhere around there for the last like 15, 20 years. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think it's ever, I've never been like, oh, my electric bill went down. Must have been those new bulbs. This is the funny one. Here's the funny one. Um, Part of the thing that they were trying to fact check was that Republicans were saying, this is in 2011, that they were pushing people towards compact fluorescent light bulbs that are dangerous. And PolitiFact says, oh, well, that's not, come on, that's ridiculous. Here's their fact check. Compact fluorescent light bulbs do contain a small amount of mercury, which is a toxic substance. But government and environmental officials say the risk they pose is very small, particularly particularly if the light bulbs are disposed of properly and cleaned up properly if one shatters. Moreover, the dire warnings from opponents of the law fail to acknowledge that there's a price to pay for sticking with less efficient traditional incandescent light bulbs. The bulbs require more electricity, and they are powered by coal-fired power plants which result in even more mercury emitted into the environment. And so we rated the claim half true. This is a joke institution. And so you're supposed to be more worried about the overall total mercury amount emitted into the entire atmosphere than you are bulbs breaking inside of your trailer. You know? Yeah. You'd be more worried about that air outside. That's a way bigger deal. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, what's funny is that they're moving to banning the CFLs, which they were pushing people towards 10 years ago because they're too dangerous. Did PolitiFact fact check these? I haven't. Well, I haven't looked recently. Um, no, this whole thing reminds me of Patrick Henry's Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death speech. And the reason why is because, you know, when liberty people or Republicans or even other folks that are like, oh, this is a slippery slope. Right. Like, okay, we're going to start here and then eventually they're going to keep adding on to this. And like, we know where this ends and see that's to, to me, this is the most important part of Patrick Henry's speech. that doesn't get talked about a lot. It's everybody knows the line, give me Liberty, give me death. But what he's really talking about in his petition petition, you know, basically is what his speech was, was to say, Hey, like 
here's my opinion based on the only thing that I know, okay, which is by by the past. What are the patterns? Okay, what what are you looking at that's currently going on to know what might happen in the future? You look at patterns and being like, oh, I've seen this before. Mm-hmm. I know what's coming. Okay. He says here, I have but one lamp by which my feet are guided. I don't know what it was. I was going to say, you don't it's, have to worry about this anymore because they probably banned that one. Yeah, this lamp so, was probably kerosene or something like that. that yeah, he wasn't thinking about the environment mm. at that time, so you can't really pay attention to that. And that is the lamp of experience, which has also been banned. <laughs> I know I know no way of judging of the future but by the past. And judging by the past, I wish to know what there has been in the conduct of the British ministry for the last 10 years to justify those hopes with which gentlemen have been pleased to solace themselves and the house. Is it that insidious smile with which our petition has been lately received? Trust it not, sir. It will prove a snare to your feet. Suffer not yourselves to be betrayed with a kiss. Ask yourselves how this gracious reception of our petition comports with these warlike preparations, which cover our waters and darken our land. Our fleets and armies necessary to a work of love and reconciliation. What he's saying is, is like, don't be manipulated. <laughs> You're telling me that the king, the king is saying, oh yeah, you know, it's no problem. It's all good. It's all good, baby. <laughs> we all good. And then you're like, well, what are these ships doing out here? And you got the army coming over or something. Everyone's drunk. And pa- yeah. Patrick Henry's yeah. like, bro, come on, man. <laughs> like, dude. What? You don't send an army to say, hey, we, yeah. you know, we got your petition and we're considering it. Yeah. You know, you don't send, you know, ships and all he's that. Saying, That's what he's saying. He said y'all are sus, you know. He's saying That's y'all, cat. this is sus, man. Yeah. That's exactly what he's saying, you know. <laughs> are fleets and armies necessary to a work of love and reconciliation? Have we shown ourselves so unwilling to be reconciled that force must be called in to win back our love? Let us not deceive ourselves, sir. Hey, don't let us gaslight ourselves is what he's saying. These are the implements of war and subjugation, the last arguments to which kings resort. So that's what this reminds me of. How do we know it's a slippery soap? Well, by by judging the past. Mm. And then you can clearly see it laid out in a light bulb law that's going into effect <laughs> tomorrow. It's the exact but this same applies, thing. I'm just saying this principle applies to everything in life. It does. To all kinds of things in life. You can see things. If you pay attention, you can see things coming from a mile away. Don't deceive yourself. You know, you stand in the truth. Mm-hmm. The truth matters. If you, like like my granddad used to say, if you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to ban all the freaking light bulbs except for LEDs. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason that saying's been around for so long. Exactly. You know? Yeah. All right. Um, I wanted to go through a couple things involving... Uh, manufacturing and industries. By the way, the GDP came out higher than expected. I think it was like 2.4% or something hmm. uh, for Q2. Um, also, government spending went up 2.6%, um, which is part of GDP. It's 35% of the GDP number right now is um, government spending. Hmm. Um, but anyway, not that that matters. Doesn't doesn't really matter. Uh, there's uh, the Taiwanese Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, or TSMC, heretofore, referred to as, um, is demanding that taxpayers cover the higher costs of making semiconductors in Arizona. 
And the reason I want to talk about this, it's a great article from Reason, but uh, we had this Chips Act, right? And we put uh, a lot of billions of dollars, I don't know, like $50 billion or 50, 60, I don't remember what it was, and we're going to support chip manufacturing here in the U.S. Well, TSMC is saying it's too expensive to make chips in the U.S., and we need you guys to cover the cost. Now, they're talking about getting money from the Chips Act, and they also they want more money because they're finding that it's even more expensive to do business in the U.S. than they previously thought. They've already got one plant. They're building another one, which, by the way, Biden took credit for. They actually announced the plant. And uh, let me see, back in June of 2020, they announced the, uh, the plant. Uh, but Biden took credit for it in December of 2022 when they uh, had their big groundbreaking or whatever it was. Uh, but anyway, they're saying that it's too expensive. And they didn't, they didn't say it was wages or anything like that. Um, they said they don't see access to capital as a barrier either to growth in the U.S. Specific factors making the project more expensive include federal regulatory requirements that have increased the project's scope and cost. Hmm. And they're finding that those are four to five times more expensive, making it four to five times more expensive to do business in the U.S. That's just weird. Than it was in previous places. And it's not even just wages because in the grand scheme of things, uh, those can be a small portion when you're talking about spending 40 to $50 billion to uh, build out these plants and do your manufacturing here. And so they're wanting the taxpayers to come in and foot the bill to cover the costs that are imposed on them by the government. And so then the government's going to impose the cost and then take money from the taxpayers and give it to the company so they can offset the cost that the government imposed on the company. By regulation. Through regulations. So it's not just the regulations are going to cost you money through higher prices of your products. They also cost you money because now they're giving money to businesses to offset the cost of the regulations. You do the math. That's great. And I wanted to point to this one thing before we get out of here. Joe Biden posted this today or one of his um, one of his nurses did uh, <laughs> said since President Biden took office, manufacturing has boomed, including 22,000 new jobs in Michigan, 15,000 new in Arizona, 32,000 new in Georgia, 28,000 new in Pennsylvania, 20,000 new in Wisconsin. And Joe Biden says this is made possible. Those are strange states to pick. <laughs> Joe Biden said this is made possible by our historic investments. I'm glad that you picked up on that immediately. Um, what was that? Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Arizona? Hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there nothing. It's not what you're thinking, Charlie, which is mainly a conspiracy theory. Uh, but what, but what I had to say in response to that was correction. This is mandated possible by the government's continued looting of your income and redistribution to handpick corporations offering taxpayer funded jobs to taxpayers in swing states. <laughs> that is what's happening. It's so obvious. They take your money. They get corporations to go to swing states. They use your money to pay for these companies to come to those states to get jobs and offset the cost of their own regu regulations in literally specific states where Donald Trump went to court over whether or not there was election <laughs> interference or whatever. All okay. brought to you by Biden. <laughs> yes. He's the one that brought these jobs to your state. <laughs> 
It's so obvious. They're not even hiding it. You might as well have a list that. of swing states <laughs> to put <laughs> up there. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, that'll do it, folks. That's yeah. all you need to know right there. Just look at that beautiful picture. If you're not watching, you're just listening. You got to go to YouTube. Uh, make sure you subscribe on there as well. And so you can get the video. You can see Nate's beautiful face and uh, all the beautiful slideshows that he puts together for everyone. Every day is a new slideshow. Every day. Mm-hmm. This man works his fingernails completely off his hands. My fingernails to the bed. Coming up, we've got some dumb tweets about climate change. Yes, more of them. And RFK's interview with Sean Hannity on Liberty at Night on the Free Talk Live Network. The new fourth edition of Healing Our World, The Compassion of Libertarianism, will take your understanding of liberty to a deeper level and has over 1,300 updated references, new cartoons, and a forward by Dr. Ron Paul. With discounts for multiple book purchases, the fourth edition of Healing Our World is a great gift for the liberals, pragmatists, environmentalists, and Christians in your life who think libertarianism is cold-hearted. Get yours today at healing.freetalklive.com and use promo code FTL for a $5 discount. Talk Live. What's up, all of our liberty-loving friends? This is Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction and has implemented really cool features to ensure it's undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their chain locks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering the Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to Dash Dow for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. All right, so coming up, we're going to talk. Uh, there's some dumb tweets that we're going to go through and on Good Morning Liberty every week we do a dumb bleep of the week where the live group votes on the dumbest thing that was said in politics that week. So if you hear us numbering things out, we do have them all listed out our live group, which you guys aren't going to be a part of right now, but maybe someday join gmail.com. They get to vote on the dumbest one. And let me tell you what, there are plenty of dumb things every week. A couple of these have to do with climate change. Let me show you this dumb tweet. I like that little segue. You can't show anybody anything. We're not showing. I'm showing you this dumb tweet. Oh, yeah. And you're going to tell the people. I'm going to tell everyone else what it says. This is from Jesse Roos. I don't know. I guess that's her last name. R-O-O-S on Twitter. Um, I saved this one this morning because, and it's real. She backs it up. She's arguing in favor of it. This is a real thing. Things we should do immediately to combat climate change. Number one, Charlie, you're not going to like this one very Mm. much. The number one thing we can do immediately to combat our climate right now is to ban golf courses. Mm, That's right. Number two is to ban private flights. Mm -hmm. 
Number three. Because she can't take them. Is to. And she some people said that. Yeah. And she doesn't she, play golf. That's ex- exactly what some people were saying on there. I went through all the comments. The comments were hilarious, too. Um, and she, like, tries to back everything up and give a rationale and all that. Um, number three is ban grocery stores from trashing unsold food and require donation before expiration. You know what you'd have to do before that? You'd have to repeal the laws making it illegal for them to donate their unsold food. Because, uh, see, that's what so many people don't get. Number three, just right off the bat, really dumb on here. Uh, because grocery stores can actually get in trouble, like with the health department. Uh, for some for, for donating They're allowed to donate some food. things, yeah. yeah. And they do. A yeah. lot of them do. Mm-hmm. Maybe you get your, I don't know, your day-old bread or whatever it is. Uh, you can tell she's never worked at a food bank. Has not. Because I have volunteered at a food bank, and I tell you what. She also hasn't worked at a grocery store. There's pallets. Of freaking stuff from Kroger and Publix all the time. Mm-hmm. Now it has to be certain food. They they do get in trouble for donating other things, but yeah, pallets of stuff that we had to sift through mm-hmm. so that the food bank can figure out where it needs to go. And so that's going to help us combat climate change. And also number four is vehicle registration fees by weight. That's the top four list. That's that's the top four. No one had laid it out like this so easily uh, beforehand. And also vehicle registration fees by weight is also uh, already a thing. They will, they especially. Are you in the car when they weigh it or just when you buy the car? It depends on where the price break is. I don't know. <laughs> the main thing they do though is by axle. And so that typically will change, you know, your weight is going to change a lot then. So banning golf courses. Why would that help with climate change? Well, because they spend a lot of money on irrigation and maybe mm-hmm. they tear down some forest for that. Sometimes, I'd, yeah. I'm not exactly sure. Tell you what, man, at the golf course I play <clears throat> at, they had these beavers mm-hmm. in this little pond and they were just tearing the trees down. They had to put chicken wire around the, around really? the trees. They mm-hmm. Keep them little Caddyshack beavers from coming up there. Legit beavers, man. <laughs> I seen them. I say just leave it to beaver. Number two is ban private flights. Okay. Private flights do use a lot more carbon per person. How are they going to get to the G20 summit? That's a big, how are you going to tell people that they need to ban the private flights if you can't privately fly to the place to give your speech? How are you going to get to G40 or whatever it's called? There is a difference in something being way worse per person uh, for the, for uh, climate change or whatever, for the atmosphere, for the CO2. And it being a large driving factor of CO2 in the atmosphere. So basically there's going to be nobody at the next IPCC meeting. Oh, and I, you know, for that one, I guess I can kind of agree. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. If that's what we get. Uh, I get so pissed, <clears throat> you know, like Leonardo DiCaprio, like screaming at me. Mm-hmm. Climate change from mm-hmm. his private jet. He's like, let me tell you this, Charlie. <laughs> that's pretty good, actually. <laughs> That's pretty good. Here's the really dumb thing. That was that was Leo from uh, Wolf of Wall Street. That was Wolfie. Yeah. Vehicle registration fees by weight. You know what I caught that's really dumb? EVs weigh way more than regular cars do. <laughs> and so I got bored this morning. This is before I even got out of bed. I was pulling this stuff up this morning. And a uh, let's just say like a Tesla Model S, 40, uh, let's just do the regular Model S. We won't even go up to the Plaid. Model S, 4,500 pounds, okay? Now, I have a Honda Accord, so that's what I looked up. What's a Honda Accord? What's the one that I have? 3,100 pounds to maybe 34. So technically, if you're doing vehicle registration 
but and this is to fight climate change. Mm. If you're doing the registration cost by weight, then it would be more expensive for an EV than it would for a regular gas vehicle like yeah. the one I have. Mm-hmm. And um, this just goes to tell you that there's nothing we can do. We're all going to die from climate change because all those options, those are the top things we can do and they're not even going to do anything. So well, the now point? the leaders can't meet anymore. No, so it's all shut down. They can't play golf between the meetings. No. Because those have been banned also. What do you think, you know, what do you think these leaders are going to do? Not lead. The you world's coming out of a golf course. And a private jet to get there. Yeah. Okay. That's, uh, I'm glad we had a little segue into some of the dumb. Number one is going to be called old politicians. Mm. All right. Now, like we said the other day, I'm not trying to make fun of Mitch McConnell. I, I am. I feel for him as, you know, his family watching as uh, he did whatever happened here, a stroke or a seizure or whatever happened to him while he was speaking at the podium. It's not just him we'll be talking about. Uh, We'll talk about a couple other old politicians. And it's not just that what they did was dumb because it wasn't dumb. It's, It's perfectly predictable for old people to have moments like this. Mm -hmm. It happens when you're in your 80s. So it's totally normal for this to happen. What should not be normal is us continuing to put these people in office. I'm pretty sure if, if is it Diane Feinstein? Uh, she also had a moment that we'll be talking about. I think she, yeah, Diane Feinstein. If she were to run for re-election, she'd probably win again. And she doesn't even know which way is up. Got Nancy right Pelosi's, yeah. Joe Biden's. Nancy Pelosi looks like a Galdern genius compared to a lot of these yeah, people. Yeah. Although I haven't seen her in a bit. What's she up to? Maxine Waters. Yeah, super old Whew. also. And so the problem is not that these people are old and doing dumb things or having medical incidents because that's totally normal. What's what's not good is the fact that we, not we, because it's not you guys, I know. So technically number one goes to the American people for continuing to Minus put these people the in Minus the listeners office. of Good Morning Living. Yes, yeah. everyone else though. <laughs> uh, so here is Mitch McConnell. Even the sound had a stroke. <laughs> It kind of took him a while to catch on, too. That's this has been a great meme, by the way, uh, that I've seen. And I, you know, I I don't know if I agree with. I agree with it. It's fine. It's been a really great meme. One of the best ones uh, has been like, uh, "Man, this edible isn't doing anything." Yeah. And then it's like me, fifteen minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. Pretty yeah. good stuff. Okay, so resting Mitch face. I like that. <laughs> that's McDad, a good, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, that's one. Then we got Diane Feinstein. They're having this vote on the uh, on how much we're going to spend on a military. How many billions of dollars are are we going to spend? And I want everyone to rest assured: if you're in her district, uh, she, she knows what's going on. She is voting for you, and it's definitely not her aide who tells her what to say. It's Diane. Um, I say I. Pardon me. I. Yeah. Uh, to say. I, I would like to support a yes vote on this. Um, it provides $823 billion. That's an increase of $26 billion for the Department of Defense. And it funds priorities 
submitted. Yeah, just say aye. Okay, just Great, aye. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what? It's not time for a speech. Oh, God. <laughs> That's so terrible. She looks like a sweet lady, you know, and I yeah. know she's not. She's a terrible fire breathing demon. Uh, but, you know, she looked like a sweet enough lady right there. She probably doesn't remember how evil she is. No. You know, this is like, oh, oh, and just say I. <laughs> so <laughs> the state of our republic is strong. Mm. All right. And then, by the way, I forgot the Mitch McConnell thing. He made a little joke walking out later. He's doing OK. Looks like the clot passed. Well, the president called to check on me. I told him I got a sandbag. Oh, no. How are you feeling now, sir? Uh, How are you feeling now? I'm fine. Have you seen a doctor? Are you going to Any see a doctor? Any idea what happened? Huh? Any idea what happened? I'm fine. Dehydrated? <laughs> okay. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. I just spent billions of dollars. I'm old <laughs> as hell, but I'm fine. And then uh, another moment here when our dear leader said that we cured cancer or we ended it as we know it, which, by the way, when you any time a new treatment comes out, you've ended cancer as we know it. Mm. It's different now. There's a new treatment. Yeah. So uh, here's Biden doing that. If you could do anything at all, Joe, what would you do? I said I'd cure cancer. They looked at me like, why cancer? Because no one thinks we can. That's why. And we can. We end cancer as we know it. Okay. Mm. You know, I like how he takes the credit for it. Oh, yeah, for sure. This is a big I statement. It's probably, yeah, it probably has to do with all the funding that they've put into the healthcare, our completely privatized healthcare system. That's right. That has nothing to do with the government. Mm. So that's all number one old politicians and all the voters who keep putting them in office. Number two, let me explain here for a second. Number two is going to be called, what did I name it? You just named it climate change. Okay. Spike Cohen. You heard of Spike Cohen? I think so. He basically talks about how if you're worried about man-made greenhouse gases, if you're worried about CO2 emissions, then you should be focusing on the Asian nations, specifically China, who is increasing their emissions and is the largest portion of the emissions. Okay. That's where most of them are coming from. And this guy, Eric Davis, who in his name has in parentheses that he was legacy verified. Mm. And he ain't paying for it. He's not going to pay for it, but he wants everyone to know that he used to be legacy verified in his name. So take him seriously. Mm. All right, because he knew somebody. He said, uh, Charlie, go ahead. He said, always fun when a person with no education on a topic tries to use a gotcha and shows how little they know. Spike, while we do need to reduce overall global emissions per year, this is about cumulative. This is about cumulative. Cumulative. I don't know why I couldn't say that word this morning. It's, it's early. too early. Yeah. It's early right now. Cumulative emissions. I'll give you one guess which nation leads that. So I just want to clarify what he says the problem is. It's not how much countries are emitting right now. It's what their total is over time. And that's somehow what we need to fix. Mm. So Eric, I assume, has a time machine, and we're going to go back and remove some of them. I think we don't want to just... From the 60s and 70s? Yeah, we don't just want to go to net zero. We have to go to net negative. We have to stop everything, and we actually have to be removing 
we have to have no carbon emissions, but also we have to be removing carbon from the atmosphere at the same time to make up. It's carbon reparations, mm. actually, is what it is. That's, That's what we have to do. That's what Bailey just said, climate change reparations. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I don't even have the chat up. Nice. No, that's good. There and Copperhead go. said unrealized climate emissions. Unrealized. <laughs> yeah, so. Well, these are just unrealized. That's it. If you're, like, you're talking about climate policy, go, the the thing is, almost nothing that we do matters when it comes to emissions, it could matter some, but as China and India are ramping up their emissions, we're just going to end up sending ourselves back to the Stone Ages while they are, they're just flourishing, you know, doing better and better as they come out of their terrible, terrible economic problems they've had over a long time. And so if you're going to worry about it, you got to see if China's going to do something. If they're not going to do anything, then what are we doing here other than paying a bunch of people who have green companies? Well, which is what we're doing here. It's not about climate change. What's it about? We know that. It's a way to funnel money. It is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to get people stirred up enough about it, then you can funnel money in any direction you want to. And people will be like, oh, yeah, it's good. We're spending money there. Uh, So one of the things uh, that's been happening, I don't know if you've seen the news, but everyone is all up in arms about this climate crisis because it's been really hot lately. Mm. All right. And uh, that Phoenix, one of the common. uh, Yeah. It looks Phoenixy. So you're telling me that it's hot in the desert. So one of the things they've been talking about is that they're treating burn victims, people who fell on the ground, Mm. are getting burned. I don't know how often that's actually happening. One of the common... Can they sue the ground? Like you can sue McDonald's for hot coffee? I mean, you got to sue whoever put the pavement in, I think. Mm. You know, the government. So good luck with that. Heat waves in U.S. and Europe would have been virtually impossible (laughs) without climate change. New report finds... So they also find that there's been several of these heat waves and and they give this 120,000 year number every once in a while or however many years it's been. So first off, it's not virtually impossible. It's happened thousands of times if you go by uh, even their data. They are saying it's happening more frequently, more likely to happen. It's hotter, whatever We don't even have to talk about that because I looked through the article and I found something that's just really dumb in here as they're talking about the heat waves. Um, Let's see, I'll start with the quote. We still have time to secure a safe and healthy future, but we urgently need to stop burning fossil fuels and invest in decreasing vulnerability. If we do not, tens of thousands of people will keep dying from heat-related causes each year. Mm, This is the next pandemic. Heat waves are one of the deadliest natural hazards. More than 61,000 people died of heat-related deaths during Europe's record-breaking heat wave last year, according to a recent study. There's also no air conditioning in Europe. That's their fault. Do you know what else (laughs) that study found? What's that? That like five times more than that died from cold. (laughs) Okay, so in this paragraph, they say heat waves are one of the deadliest natural hazards here. Not as deadly as cold (laughs) waves. You know what's more deadliest natural hazard than heat waves? Cold waves. Cold. Yeah. But we need to cool the earth. Yes. Yeah. So that is the the dumbest thing I found in this article. And uh, it annoys me when they, they pick this one thing. It's like if they can decrease people dying from heat waves, 
okay, it's 61,000. We got to get that down to 30, but they're not paying attention to like the 300,000 people that died from the cold waves Mm. as they came through. And that could increase by more than the decrease in the heat waves. In fact, when you look at the, if you read a book like Apocalypse Never or, uh, wow, whatever the other. That's Michael Schellenberger. Yeah, that's Michael Schellenberger. That's a really good book. And then there's another great one. I always forget the name of it. They will say that actually people dying from heat waves is one of the benefits, in quotes, of climate change. Now, he clarifies that there is not a net benefit from the Earth getting hotter. But if you single that down to deaths from temperature, then climate change is actually a benefit because you will have less people dying from extreme temperatures because more people die from cold than die from heat. Mm. So uh, speaking of, you know... So you're saying we need to emit more carbon emissions to, for that specific number? Yeah. Okay. If yeah. you want to, if you're, I don't like people dying from deaths. cold. I don't yeah. like being, you know, too cold. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather be too cold than too hot. Not me. I would, for sure. But I grew up in the south. Oh yeah. Down there in Louisiana, which, Let's by see. the way, is one of the wettest heats you'll find. It's a wet heat. It's mm-hmm. uh, you go outside, it's heavy. When you talk about, uh, let me just tell my personal story here. You would think, you know, I was in. I was in Abu Dhabi, and mm. it was 115 degrees outside. Okay. That's a lot of climate change out there. It was very. It used to be like 114 degrees, and it was 115. <laughs> it's probably 116 now. Yeah, you'd think like, well, but you're out there in UAE. You know, it's a dry heat. No, it was like 70 percent humidity out mm. there, and it was so hot and wet that our drummer wore all of the skin off of his hands because the sticks were so sticky while he was trying to play, that he wore all the skin off of his hands while we were playing. So he's skinless now. It was skinless drummer, yeah. yeah. He was beating the skins, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> how, how, how are his hands now? Did they recover? No, they're okay. Yeah. Did he, did he still have, did he get no. skin back? No, he, got, he took the skin from his face and put it on his hands. <laughs> and Looks awful, but he can play just fine. Climate skin. Yeah. Yeah. What so, a tragedy. You know how people have been dying suddenly, you know? You heard about people dying suddenly. Mm. And it, sudden death. We do this annoying thing where every like time in sports. <clears throat> in sports. Sudden death. Mm-hmm. Or they have a cardiac arrest really quickly and people are talking about it. And then they'll say, obviously it's the vaccine. That one still annoys me, by the way, because there's a lot of reasons that people can have cardiac arrest. And also we didn't used to publicize it quite as much and it didn't used to get as many retweets uh, as it used to re-Xs as it, uh, as it used to. <clears throat> so blaming someone's cardiac arrest on the vaccine is as dumb as blaming a hurricane on climate change, just so everyone knows. Mm. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't look at the numbers and see if there's something wrong going on. But there's a new narrative out there because a lot of people have been having these sudden cardiac events. All right, the new narrative is, I mean, Norm Macdonald talked about this a lot, mm. though. Your heart will attack and kill you. The new, the new narrative is climate change is causing blood clots mm. right now. And so if we can blame all of this on climate change, I think that would be better. <laughs> uh, your blood thickens as it gets hotter, as most things do. <laughs> and then uh, you can have a blood clot. You know What? And in fact, if you look up, I'm not going to put all the stuff up here, but there is a lot of articles disproving this idea. Yeah, but, um, heat increases I'm not a doctor. blood flow. Yeah. It opens up the vessels. Since when does, th- does stuff thicken 
when you get it hot. <laughs> Is that a thing? I can think of a few things. All right, y'all, coming up, we're going to talk about RFK and his leftist bias creeping out, Russia threatening to use nukes, Devin Archer, the minimum wage, coming up on Liberty Night on Free Talk Live. Eleutheromania, the insatiable desire for freedom. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. All right, we are back. Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network. Now, one of the top stories of the day that people have been heavily anticipating was this House Oversight uh, meeting with, his name is Devin Archer, a business, longtime business partner and friend uh, with Hunter Biden. Mm. You've heard of Hunter Biden before? Yeah, I think I know that guy. Yeah, so they met today. There was a little bit of a question as to whether or not it was going to happen. Now, that happened over the weekend, too, and it looked to be not true. What are you doing over there? You're getting comfy. (laughs) Charlie's getting up, and he's just moving into a leather chair because we don't have our camera set up. You're so much shorter now. And? What's the point? Now he's taking his pants off. You guys, I wish you guys could see this. You asked about Hunter, so I'm trying to get into my, yeah. you know, I'm trying to get into his, to his head right now. All right. Got any cocaine yet? Uh, not on me. No, I don't have any. Uh, so they had, the, you're kicking your feet up now. Okay. Hunter Biden's former business partner reportedly confirmed to the House Oversight Committee that President Joe Biden was on more than 20 calls with his son during a closed-door hearing on Monday where Republican members pressed for details about alleged foreign business dealings. So this whole time, he's been saying, I got no business dealings with my son Hunter. I've not been involved. There was a thing that happened over the weekend, by the way, where this Devin Archer apparently uh, received a a request to report to prison, and that's what he was told, or that's what we were told. Mm. That wasn't actually the case and they've been waiting on him to set up his date. You know, when you go to prison, you get to meet with them and discuss the time that you're going to go to prison. You know, that's how it works. That's how right? it works. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it normally works. Well, he hadn't done that yet, and they've been waiting on him to uh, set up that date and set up his uh, his prison time. Well, they sent him a letter about it, and this apparently came out from Matt Gates and some of the other people uh, that they were trying to put him in prison before he came and testified. Gates sends out this mean tweet about how he's going to haul up people from the DOJ. He wants to call people back to Washington. They're going to haul up these people and they're talking impeachment, all this stuff. Well, it turns out there was never a chance that he was going to have to go to jail or go to prison before this meeting on Monday. Uh, they have been talking with him frequently about scheduling his prison date, and that was just something that also happened over the weekend. Oh, so you get to schedule prison dates? Some people schedule prison dates, oh, I, I guess. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, you get to pick the time. That you gotta sounds... talk Because then you got to talk to the Bureau of Prisons, and you got to go through the catalog and pick out whichever one looks like they have the nicest sheets. You know, that's how prison goes. Uh, sounds awesome. Yeah, it sounds... Actually, you know, 
I guess it doesn't sound that bad. No. I don't know. It doesn't. Okay. Uh, so anyway, we'll get back to the main article. They So they had the meeting. It was a closed-door meeting, so nothing televised. But uh, it turns out he told people that Biden was present, and the calls did happen on speakerphone, that Biden was there for them, the father, not Hunter. And so a little bit different from what we've been told so far. Hmm. And the question is, how much leverage could have been applied by Joseph R. Biden on account uh, of Hunter Biden doing these dealings and the fact that, oh, hey, my daddy Joe right here on speakerphone. Still got some power. We're doing this deal. And at that time, he's the vice president of the United States. Okay. I mean, according to <clears throat> Joe Biden, though, he didn't do anything. That's what I heard. So that's, yeah, that's what I was, what I was told. Uh, Devin Archer, who served as a director of Ukrainian energy company Burisma along Side Hunter Biden reportedly ignored questions from the press as he walked into the O'Neill House office building. The committee was expected to interview Archer for approximately five hours, where Republican and Democrat members rotate between hour blocks to investigate the key witness who had alleged Hunter put then Vice President Joe Biden on speakerphone roughly two dozen times at, as Hunter spoke to his foreign business partners or investors beginning in 2014. Hmm. So that's a little bit different. Uh, now this, of course... I'm sure that this was happening and way more, but this is coming from Devin Archer, who is a convicted fraudster. That's why he's trying to get his prison time scheduled right now. Uh, it has nothing to do with this specific business dealing, but can you trust him? Not entirely sure. Is he trying to help can himself right can now? I mean, can they prove it? Cause this just becomes like a, he said, he said type of deal, It does, which doesn't, Hold up in court. And so people are saying, oh, they're going to impeach Biden. They're going to impeach Biden. Well, you're not, if you just got a witness testimony, hey, I agree. It's probably happened. Totally agree with you. I it, would say more likely than not. It probably way more yeah. happened than what we're even going to hear and that this guy even knows about. But are we going to be able to prove it? I'm not sure. If they can prove it, if they can prove that Biden was knowingly using his political power to help Hunter Biden and enrich the family, and he was really getting 10% for the big guy. Um, I think we should know about that. I really do. I think the American people should know about that. I agree. And you they might say, absolutely well, should. this kind of, d Charlie, doesn't this kind of thing happen all the time? Come on. Oh, absolutely. In politics, <laughs> yes. don't people use their power to help themselves and their family? Of course they do. I mean, I'm sure Trump did the same thing, right? I'm sure. So then we shouldn't go after any of them. We should go after all of them. We should go after all of them. Yes. We, let's set the precedent with it. So this clip from RFK uh, from a uh, town hall, uh, I think it was RFK and Hannity, and he talked about free market capitalism, which, of course, you know, saying that we have corporate crony capitalism, that gets a big applause. And then he goes down a rabbit hole talking about all of the middle class being destroyed and it, it essentially becomes a rather leftist uh, democratic socialist argument. But he just starts it by saying that we don't have free market. It'd be, it's almost as if Bernie Sanders got up there and said, yeah, we don't have free market capitalism. We have corporate crony capitalism, mm -hmm. you know? And then, and then this, all of a sudden, all the Republicans in the audience were like, yeah, Bernie, everything you say afterwards is awesome. Mm-hmm. So, all right, RFK, let's hear what you got to say. 
Um, but uh, and it is. I mean, we, we don't have subtitles on capitalism in this country. We have corporate crony capitalism. We have a. We have a we have a, uh, we have a system of of cushy socialism for the super rich, and this, this uh, brutal, a kind of brutal, savage, merciless capitalism for the poor, and it's all designed to strip mine the middle class of this country of all of their equity, all of their assets, and move it to the upper echelons. And and you know the COVID lockdowns were the final straw. Can you pause COVID that lockdowns, real quick? We created a billion. It's it actually more closely aligns with fascism. Yeah, it's not socialism because the the government doesn't own any of the companies. It's they just control them, right? And I, Wait, I democratic mean, fascism. We're going to get into this, but um, I'm not saying he's he's not wrong about the issue. Neither is Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. Like the issue does exist, but the solutions are wrong. It's not the, it's not the company's fault. No, it's the government. No, it's um, it's not the companies. They're just they're just acting within the incentive structure and the structure that's been put before them, uh, and the incentive structure that we, the people, or our parents, the people, have allowed uh, over quite some time. Uh, but the when he talks about we have socialism for the rich and we have we got rugged bootstrap tre- capitalism for the poor or the poors. That's okay. What? In what way is like welfare and Medicaid and and all of these different programs that we have a rugged individualist free market capitalism for the poor? Yeah. Like we don't have any programs and everyone's in there just clapping along. Yeah, yeah. They stole all this money from us and we don't have any help for any poor people. That's what we're most known for is we don't spend any money on the poor here at all. That's not the case. You can't just talk about it like it doesn't exist, mm-hmm. like it's something to do. You got to have a little more sense than that. Yeah. Can you put subtitles on this back half? Um, I, w- I will, if you want me to. Yeah. Although I doubt they have the technology. Um, let me see here. That's, no. It's a joke. It's not an option. Okay, here joke. we go. Billionaire a day, and this was Trump and Biden. Of 500 days of lockdowns, we created a billionaire a day. We moved $4 trillion from the American middle class to the super rich. We uh, the people who came into the lockdown with 30 with a billion dollars increased their wealth on average by 30%. And you and you know, we closed 3.3 million businesses. And so that, in retrospect uh, and and I give for a period of time in the early days nobody knew what the hell they were dealing with. Let's be fair. But there came uh, I'm a, not going to be fair. Sorry, you don't fair. be fair. No, in the early days Okay. That's that clip. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what happened though after the peak of the market when all the billionaires lost a bunch of money? They lost a lot of money out there mm-hmm. for sure. That's gone back up now. Mm-hmm. But everyone else that had money in the market also made money during that time. True. And they lost money afterwards and now it's gone back up. Have we crossed all time highs yet? No, no. It's been coming back down just a little bit mm. lately and the fed just announced another quarter point hike today um so it was down just a little bit it was actually kind of even uh today but it's been up a bunch uh this year uh since like last october it's gone up quite a bit but um so he says if you had a billion dollars going into the pandemic your wealth increased by 30 percent. well people who have a billion dollars most of their wealth is in stocks and investments 
and the market went up a bunch. Okay, it doesn't mean that you directly stole money from people. Now, there was a lot of money printed, and a lot of it was given to a lot of corporate, like airlines, you know, given the corporations like that, albeit a lot of people had their businesses shut down because of government mandates. Of course, there's a question of if the government's forcefully going to shut you down, should you be compensated? Should is yes. Can you is no, because the government doesn't have any money that doesn't steal from other people. So Not those, only that, we're $30 trillion in the hole. Yeah, those so, are two different conversations. So therefore, the they, money just, literally doesn't exist. they just shouldn't shut people down. Mm. Like that's the, that's the actual answer there. Um, and the way, that he, the way that he talks about $4 trillion being stolen from the middle class and given to the rich, I got to look at his numbers on this. What a lot of people will look at is, imagine that you're in the middle class and you keep growing your wealth and you grow in your wealth. Well, as your wealth grows you move from the middle class into the upper middle class and into the whatever we call the up the upper class whatever that is that means that you know when that's you that's just a that's just class when you look at yeah when you look at stats saying oh the middle class is shrinking most of the time that's because the people in the middle class are moving out of it into a higher class and so it's shrinking it doesn't mean it's automatically a bad thing you got to look at Flesh and blood individuals, like Thomas Sowell would say, and ask if people are, if the money is moving to the upper class because it was stolen from them and given to these other people, or if these people increased their wealth to the point that they were in a new bracket after that. And how can that be a bad thing? And so these kind of sweeping over generalizations about money leaving the middle class or BS until you actually bring a chart out there yeah. and track where the money went and how and, it got there. And I think a lot of people are clapping for this because they, they do feel it in the pocketbook because of inflation. Mm-hmm. So they do feel like, okay, well, you know, I used to be in the middle class, but now my, I can't afford my grocery board bill to feed my kids anymore. So obviously the rich people stole it. Yeah. It wasn't, couldn't be inflation because they did the inflation reduction act. And that last we heard inflation went down. So God, I'm seeing so much stuff now. About- I think a lot of people actually feel it like they feel this economy not being great. And of course, there has to be someone to blame and it can't be government. So it must be the rich. Has to be. Sorry, oh. I'm, I'm looking at some charts right now on the uh, on the Fed's website just to try and see. I, I hate just we keep saying like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to look at the Fed's website and look at their measurements of uh, of wealth here and uh, see what happened. I do see that wealth for the bottom 50% um, going into the pandemic was sitting around uh, 7 million in millions, 7 trillion, right? Mm-hmm. So 7 trillion Q1 2020 and is sitting at 9.3 trillion right now. Uh, that sounds the, like it went up. For the bottom 50%. And so that's up by... A 2.3 trillion. And what's a 2.3 trillion increase over 7 trillion? What's that come out to be? About 30%? 30%. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. 30%. What number did he say people with a billion dollars increase their net wealth? 30%. 30%. Okay. So you see the point here. 
So did the bottom 50%. Nate and I did not know those numbers no, before just now. Didn't know it until we and were just so funny. This, <laughs> it's 30%. That's what makes it so funny. And that's the problem with RFK is he's just another leftist. He really is. And he's just saying things that, that get people going. Uh, it gets you, the people going. It gets the people going. Yeah, it's provocative. And he chose to say that people with a billion dollars grew their wealth by 30%. While also the bottom 50% of the country also grew their wealth by 30%. Okay. Yep. There's mm-hmm. point point made and hopefully received as well. Why I cannot get on board with RFK. He's still, it's just the same, the same thing. He's a slightly more rational leftist. That's really all he is. Uh, speaking of. Who may be good on the pandemic. And that's about it. Yeah. Oh, hey. There's stuff going on in Russia, too. I hear your dog barking. You think everything's okay? Yeah, he's fine. Okay, cool. He's just upset that he's in a crate, but he can't stop eating the furniture. So, you know? When Charlie says my dog ate my furniture, he's serious about it. It's legit. It's a a real problem Mm -hmm. that he's having right now. Yeah. A dog eating I gotta tell you what, the other day I came home and he had eaten a whole, almost a whole notebook. And I literally, I think I was on the phone with you and I was like, you know, I didn't, I never used to think people could use that excuse for real. Like my dog ate my homework and now I know it's legit. It's a true story. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Folks, it can be tough to know which direction to take in life. For example, you might think doing this podcast was an easy move, but it wasn't. It takes a willingness to work crazy hours, read people's differing opinions and make well, what you might expect a mid-level libertarian podcast to make. But what gets me through is knowing I'm being true to myself and my values. Whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Therapy has made a huge difference in my life, and co-host Charlie has used BetterHelp for years. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash G-M-L. This is one that John sent me over the weekend. Maybe this is important. Uh, The Kremlin is threatening the use of nuclear weapons in retaliation for a drone strike on Moscow skyscrapers. I saw that on TikTok, by the way. Putin ally warns there is no other way out after attack on business district that closed Russian airspace and left one injured. Now, I happen to think that a nuclear weapon is, is quite a bit in retaliation for a little bitty drone strike on a skyscraper where one person was injured. Okay. It's like they... They attacked on a scale of one. We're going to yeah. take it to a billion. I'm saying you can't go much further than that. Like, it's not, they're not like, okay, we're going to, well, they're already bombing them, clearly. You know, so they're already bombing Ukraine. So what are you going to do next? But it's like, okay, you did one thing to us. And so we're going to use nukes. That's not fair. I haven't looked at the rules of war lately, but that is not equal that's at like, all. That's like you just flip the chessboard over. Yeah. You know? That's breaking the rules of this game. They just like they move the bishop and put you in check, and then you're just gonna flip the whole board over. You know? <laughs> uh there's a little video that doesn't matter. <laughs> we don't have cameras that so we're not it. recording this. I you saw, saw it. it. Yeah, I saw I didn't it. Somebody see it. got a video of it. I didn't see it's it. It's crazy. Let me see. Skyscrapers. 
looking around. Ah, mamochka. Ah, why didn't you warn me? There was a annoying cry happening in that video. I needed you to hear it. Oh, that was a decent sized explosion. That was bigger than the ones that we've seen from these other little attacks. It's pretty decent so yeah. far. But one person injured. Okay, in all seriousness, though, I don't want Russia to use nukes against Ukraine. No. And it's not because I care that much about Ukraine. Or not, Russia. Not, or moment. Russia. <laughs> I didn't, I, I don't, I, I care about myself, and my friends and family, and then my community, and then my state, and then I do care about the country as well. And then I care about all human beings on the planet as well, like just in a, you know, because of humanity. Well, that's why you don't want Russia to use this. Yes, because a lot of people would be injured and also, listen. It would cause the end of the world. When's the last time someone used a nuke uh, against someone they used a nuke in a war? 1946? Six, I think. Yeah, yeah. 46. It was the U.S. Mm-hmm. Little bitty baby atomic bomb. All right? We're not even talking about these big honking mega nukes they got now. Mm-hmm. Not that that's what they'd use. Them hydrogen bombs. But listen, since a lot of people got them, if Russia uses this thing, that'll be the first time since all these countries around the world have nukes that someone else actually used a nuke against someone. That would be really bad. If you see, if you see that Russia used a nuke against Ukraine, I'm not normally a proponent of hoarding and getting in lines and stuff. Go to the freaking grocery store and stock up on things because it will be, it'll be bad. I'm not saying we're going to get hit by nukes, but it will cause panic around the world. It will. Absolutely. Or you could learn how to hunt real quick, Mm -hmm. you know? Speaking of the atomic bomb, we just, we saw Oppenheimer last week. Week ago. Week ago on Monday. Yeah. Um, I've seen, I've seen a lot of people complaining about a few things. One, that they didn't, and, and I get it as a moviegoer, you want to see some of the stuff. Uh, one of the things is that they didn't show anything about, like they didn't, spoiler, I guess, although it's not really a spoiler, it's historical things. They don't show the bomb in Hiroshima or Nagasaki. Mm. They show nothing. In fact, they barely talk about it, except for the fact that they did it. That's about it. They don't show any of the fallout from the Trinity test in New Mexico, which has actually harmed a lot of communities that were like downwind of the radiation. Uh, for generations. That's probably, though, because Christopher <clears throat> Nolan didn't shoot it. Like, Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's going to use, like, footage or pictures of... Because I don't think he does that. No. I guarantee that's probably why well, that's not none the, of that was in there. That's not the kind of thing... The movie's called Oppenheimer, you know? I don't think Oppenheimer went down to whatever town was damaged mm-hmm. by radiation. No. And so, therefore, it wasn't in the movie Oppenheimer. He also wasn't in Hiroshima or Nagasaki. He requested, according to the movie, to fly in the plane in the B-29 when they dropped the bomb. But he didn't, according to the movie. And Mm -hmm. so, therefore, we don't see the bomb get dropped. The movie's literally Oppenheimer from the perspective of Oppenheimer about J. Robert Oppenheimer. (laughs) That's what it's about. About this guy named Oppenheimer. Yeah. So, um, Great great title for a movie about a guy named Oppenheimer. That's what I would have named it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oppenheimer. 
So if you want to make a movie called Hiroshima or, or called Little Town in New Mexico. Nagasaki. Or Nagasaki, whatever, mm-hmm. then make it and show it. That's fine. This is different. I just saw a lot of people complaining. I want to complain about I how tell long you that, the movie was. That drone strike was a lot smaller. Much smaller. Than one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we saw it on IMAX, and that, that wouldn't even have been impressive on the IMAX. How credible honestly. do you think this threat is from Russia saying that they're going to retaliate with nukes? I hope I it's mean, not very credible, but mm. um, it, uh, what was the guy's name who said it? No, Dmitry Medvedev, I believe, is the guy who said that. A former Russian president and Putin ally. Is that, who, is that the one who said it? Yeah, looks like. Has warned there is simply no other way out and said Kiev should pray to our warriors that they do not allow the global nuclear fire to flare up. Um, I think you have to take it seriously when you say, like, hey, you keep doing this, we're going to nuke you. We got plenty of them. You kind of have to pay attention to it. I can't help but laugh because as we're reading this story, we're seeing these ads <laughs> flash by for top stories. <laughs> and just so you know, Harry and Megan are in the news again. I don't know what it's about, but we're reading a story about nukes. <laughs> like the right? end of the world. The end of the world. And just so you know, here's a top story on the Daily Mail about Harry and Megan because... <laughs> It's so important. The uh, Harry and Meghan thing, not quite as important as the threat of nuclear destruction for everyone. Coming up, we'll talk about Cori Bush's unhoused Bill of Rights and Bernie Sanders' proposal for a $17 an hour minimum wage. Back everyone, this is Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network. Charlie, how are you doing? I'm, you know, even better than ever. Better than yeah. ever? Yeah, I'm just. I'm well, that's done, pretty good. You know, I like that. I'm feeling warm. Okay, from this climate change talk we just <laughs> of had. You are. Okay, let's talk about some housing policy. There's a ACLU article uh, from Reason, and then Corey Bush is out there talking about a housing bill of rights as well. Uh, this article is in the show notes, Charlie, if you want to go through uh, some of this one from Reason. All right. For everyone. From Reason. A taxpayer-funded fair housing nonprofit in Illinois, with the help of the ACLU, is demanding a federal crackdown on landlords who don't rent to tenants with eviction records. <laughs> hey, Guys, hey, do you have a history of uh, not paying your rent and stuff? Uh, yeah. Uh, do you have a history of destroying property? Uh, yeah, I do. Have you ever been evicted for those types of things? Yeah. Well, we don't really want to rent to you. Like discrimination, that's racist, yeah. racist. No, I mean, just imagine this: you're a you're a landlord, and someone comes to the house, and they're like, oh, "I want to rent this that house." Is a lord? You know, I like, know. It's the Lord part. That's theft. It's colonialism. It's a parasitic thing anyway. Housing should be free in the first place. Um, But someone comes to you and they're like, hey, I want to rent your house. And you're like, okay, well, what did you do at the last, okay, the last place that you rented? Did you pay them? They're like, no, I didn't. Okay, did you ever pay them? No, I didn't. Did you get kicked out? Yeah. All right, cool. Well, here's the paperwork. Sign here. (laughs) Have fun. Can't (laughs) wait for you not to pay me. (laughs) I still have to pay for it. Yeah, it's a great idea. In a complaint filed with HUD uh, Housing, U.S. Department of Housing, the group Hope Fair Housing Center argues that such policies amount to illegal discrimination based on race and sex, given the higher likelihood 
that black people and particularly black women will have an eviction record. <laughs> so just because a certain type of person tends to have a higher thing. It's not even that that person tends to have, it's that people who have that thing tend more to be people who are African-American or, or, or whatever, like uh, African-American, they say women, women specifically. Yeah. WOCs. Yeah. Women of color. <laughs> yeah. What's a woman? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. A housing quote, a housing provider that enforces a policy that denies the opportunity to rent to anyone who has an eviction filing or judgment is disproportionately denying housing to black households and black women in particular. That's from Hope Deputy Director Josefina or Josefina Navarre. Numerous studies, news reports and, and advocate and tenant stories document just how typical a no evictions policy is within the rental property owner community nationally. It is typical. Why would it for not every single landlord? Why would it not be typical? It's like I can't even think of a really good analogy right now. But it's like you know, let's say you have a history of stealing things from Walmart. Mm-hmm. And Walmart's like, yeah, let's put a no trespassing on this, you know, on this person, police, please. And like that would be somehow discrimination mm-hmm. because they have a history of stealing things and I don't want you coming in my store anymore. It'd even be like, what if you're going to be an employee? You know, like, um, I see you've been fired from five previous places of work. What was that for? It's like, well, I've stolen thousands of dollars from every place I've ever worked. And I, I mean, I did the work and stuff, but I was robbing them the entire time that I was there and I can start tomorrow, <laughs> you know? And you're like, uh, pass. And they're like, racist? (laughs) Discrimination. (laughs) Exactly. Churlish. (laughs) The Federal Fair Housing Act bars housing providers from discriminating because of race and sex, along with other protected classifications like disability, national origin, and family status. They're not discriminating for those reasons. They're not. They're discriminating because you won't pay or you destroy property or whatever else the case is for having an eviction. Like, do you know how hard it is to evict a tenant? It's not an easy process. No, it's not. You have to give like 30 days notice. You have to go to court. You have to prove things like it's not like you can just willy nilly evict someone. It's easier to just let them finish out the lease or or whatever the contract is. Subsequent court decisions and federal regulations established the idea that prohibition can apply to policies that had a disparate impact or discriminatory effect on protected classes, even if there's no discriminatory intent present. (laughs) So if your non-discriminatory practice happens to have a disparate impact or discriminatory effect, then it de facto becomes a discriminatory process that you're going through. Regardless of intention. Even... This is the the bigger problem with this is that we're we never ask people to solve the underlying problem. What is the underlying problem here? It's not that landlords don't want to rent to people who have been evicted. It's not racism. It's not discrimination. It's that people go and rent somewhere and they don't pay for the for the thing that they're getting. They decide that they're going to steal from someone or that they're going to destroy their property while they're there. And what would normally happen in society or what should happen in society is that people learn from that. And they're like, okay, well, 
I see that I've had a hard time. Or you have an incentive not to get evicted. Yeah. Because you know that if you do have a judgment of eviction against you, mm-hmm. that it's going to be extremely, if not impossible, to rent again. Like, it, imagine, imagine that if you knew, like what you just said, that if you've had an eviction, you're not going to be able to go anywhere else. If you get evicted for not paying your rent, you're not going to be able to find another place. What are you going to do, Charlie? You're going to try to pay your rent. Or you're going to try to not destroy the house that you're renting or the apartment that you're renting at that moment. But we don't do that. Instead, we basically subsidize people's bad decisions. They never need to change. We blame the people who put rules in place to protect their own property or to actually make money from their own investments that, that they're paying for. I've thought about renting out the house, the house next to mine. My, my neighbor's moving. And I've thought about buying it so I can rent it out. I'm like, okay, it'd be nice. It's right next to me. I want to pick and choose very, very carefully who's going to live there. You would. You know, no kids. I would like just one person to move into the house. Okay. And I'd like them to never be there. You know, that'd be fine too. They travel for work. They're there like one day a month. Yep. So I kind of have my ideal tenant in place, but I'm not going to do that. There's too much, there's too much legal mess that goes along with, with tenants. You know, they destroy stuff. That's why you're scared to make money. But it's crazy. <laughs> It's crazy to me to think that I would buy that house and this house would cost $500,000 and I buy it and I pay a mortgage for it, whatever that's going to cost. And that someone else thinks that they can just move into it and then just have a free house to live in. And if they get evicted, that's my fault. And if that shows up on their record that, that that's my, that I've done something wrong or that if I want to make sure that the person moving in is going to pay me while I'm paying for the house, that that's discrimination. See how it's all flipped up on its toes, man. So what do we incentivize? We incentivize people to not buy the houses and rent them out, or we incentivize only really, really big companies that can take the losses to buy the houses and rent them out because they can buy thousands and thousands of houses and they can handle a small percentage of them getting evicted or, or not paying their rents. And so you get rid of like someone like me who wants to, you know, build some wealth and, and uh, have another house or whatever. And so I'm not going to do it. You know who's going to do it? Freaking American Homes for Rent. They're going to buy the house and rent it out. Garbage company, by the way. Yeah, terrible. Yeah. Terrible place. I rented from them once. <laughs> and um, they sued me, and then I, I won the lawsuit. Why they, Did you not pay them? I did not pay them, but I had a reason to, and that's because my heat went out. Mm. And they wouldn't fix it. No one answered the phone. And it was December, and I had, a, at that point you, parker was a month old oh you had to go stay in a hotel and so you? i went and stayed in a hotel and they weren't going to reimburse me for the hotel they weren't going to reimburse me for somebody coming out to fix it because i didn't use one of their guys and i'm like well i called your guys and they never answered and i sent an email and no one ever answered so i had and it was the weekend so i had somebody come out and fix it i went and stayed at a hotel for two nights somebody came out and fixed it and then i moved back in and when they wouldn't reimburse me all i did is i docked it off the rent for the next month it was like, I don't know, 800 bucks or something like that. And I just took that amount off for the next month. And they sued me for that and tried to evict me. And what's hilarious about it is not only did we win the lawsuit, they also had to pay my lawyer's fees. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. That's good. It was beautiful. You know, a lot of times the big companies will threaten lawsuits, but they rarely ever want to actually go through with it. Yeah. They don't want to do that. But most people will cave when that happens. And listen. Because you get scared. I get it. If you are in the right morally and even legally, probably in this matter, uh, I think that that is an okay libertarian thing to do. 
I did the same thing with Williamson County Medical Center or whatever when they when I had the thing with the with the finger, mm. you know, and uh, they looked me right in the eye. Now, I'm not a medical professional. I know if you listen through COVID, you're like, I bet these guys are doctors, <laughs> but um, I happen to not be a medical professional. Okay, yeah, um, but uh, you're not I went, a biologist. I went there and I had stuck a knife through my finger, and they looked at it and they're like, well. You didn't hit the tendon or anything. Just put a splint on it, you know, a few weeks, it'll be fine. And um, I was like, okay, that's fine. I was like, what if that's wrong? And they're like, well, just let us know if it feels, if it doesn't feel right. And I'm like, it doesn't feel I'm, right. I'm telling it's, you, this doesn't uh, feel right right now. Move it. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, you didn't, you didn't hit the tendon or anything, so you're going to be fine. Well, long story short, I did sever the tendon in my finger. Putting it in a splint was the absolute worst case scenario for whenever you sever the tendon in your finger. And then they wanted me to pay them a thousand dollars for the visit, and I said, "No, you I got it wrong. I, said, I actually want to sue you guys right now. Like you, you told me this. I ended up having to have surgery on this thing a couple months later. I got scar tissue. The thing doesn't work right. It looks all weird. Dogs are always bothering with it. Mm, you know, smells kind of funny. And so I sent them a letter after they threatened to sue or whatever collections that, that they were doing. Sent them a letter and said, "This is what you guys did wrong." I'm not a medical professional. You told me without any imaging or anything, you looked at me and said, I did not do this and there was nothing to worry about. And so I went forward on your medical advice and you guys actually caused me a lot of problems. I'm not paying you the money. Never heard from them again. Didn't get anything else in the mail. Not a single thing. Amen. You can fight these big companies. They like to use those legal terms to try and scare you. You just got to tell the truth. Mm -hmm. That's all you got to do. They know it. Okay, Corey Bush... Oh, God. Annoying as they come. Let me tell you what. Mm. She says, I know what it's like to be unhoused. So continuing on the housing thing. I know what it's like to be unhoused. I once lived in my car with my two children. No one should have to experience that. That's why I've reintroduced the unhoused Bill of Rights. So you have... Look, I can say, I I hope, like, no one should have to experience that. I hate that. I think it's terrible for people to have to live in their cars. I hope everyone can get housing. Well, her kids should not have to experience that. If she made decisions that led to her living in her car, then she should have to experience it. You should have to experience. I'm the, saying I don't re- want people. Yeah. I want them to make the. I want them to make decisions that won't lead to that type of thing. Like I don't want her to, but you should have to experience the consequences of your actions. And I, I don't know exactly what those were. Not good for her kids. Uh, but from Common Dreams. Uh, They say housing justice advocates on Monday praised U.S. Representative Cori Bush for reintroducing the housed, unhoused Bill of Rights, a resolution that outlines how the federal government can permanently end the nation's homelessness crisis by 2027. Now, in her text, she actually says that they can do it by 2025, not her text, her her exes. Sorry. Uh, But now she's saying 2027. I guess they got the numbers back. They can't do it. Um, by that fast. She says, the housing crisis is personal to me. I was unhoused and forced to live in my car with my babies. I'm proud to reintroduce the Unhoused Bill of Rights. This bill provides a plan to end the unhoused crisis by 2027 and achieve housing justice for all. Housing justice. Mm-hmm. And so this is also a, a justice issue. Uh, she also says in another tweet that I pulled up here, the Unhoused Bill of Rights calls for drastic increases in affordable housing. Naming the unhoused crisis as a public health emergency, protecting the civil and human rights of the unhoused, and historic funding for supportive services for the unhoused. Now, 
how, Charlie, would you have a bill of rights that guarantees that you're going to have a house? How can you have a right to that? No evictions? I guess no evictions. You're also going to have to guarantee that you will take things from other people and give people houses. You will have to take income from other people who are working and making income, enough to pay for their house and still pay taxes afterwards to make sure that you have a house afterwards. So you can't have a right to something that must be provided by another person. That's called a positive right. That's when the, someone bestows upon you things uh, that are taken from other people. We like, we like the ones where no one has to do anything. You know, like you got a, you got a right to, to work and earn an income and use that income to pay someone to build you a house. Or you can uh, learn you can how to land. build a house yeah. if you want to. That's fine. All right, but you don't have to write. You don't have the right to force other people to do that for you. Don't you think? Also, how could human beings have gotten this wrong for hundreds of thousands of years? For as long as human beings have been around, why didn't they figure out at the beginning that everyone deserves a house? They should have started with that. Yeah. In fact, I I can't believe it's the year of our Lord twenty twenty three. And the b- biggest problem was the tyrannical cavemen. Oh, back then everyone know. deserves a cave. That's. That's so what that's, it was. They went around looking for caves all the, for caves. all. Yeah, mm-hmm. caves for all. But then we, you know, population bomb exploded. And, and then everyone people, deserves the people a log cave, cabin. People to cave ratio. Mm. And then and you see what actually caused the climate crisis was that everyone deserved a log cabin. So they had to start cutting down all the trees. Or before that, it's cabins. probably tents, I think. Everyone deserves a tent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't have a human right to this. All right. God. It's not a thing. And how do you don't you think they've already spent a lot of money on this? Yeah. You think they spent any money? And I want to reiterate, I like I have a kid and I would hate for my child to be homeless and living in a car. Especially if I made stupid decisions to get there. Yeah. Like innocent kids, of course. Like I want them to be housed. Everybody wants them to be housed. Nope, not if you're not pushing for this policy. You know. <laughs> but to say that you have an unhoused bill of rights, like somehow you have a it's just insanity. Let's see. Because what do we have to do to get there? You have to steal everyone else's money to do it. It's a, let's see, call on the Department of Health and Human Services to declare the unhoused crisis a public health emergency. Uh, protect unhoused individuals from the violation of their fundamental and civil, fundamental civil and human rights to housing, health care, livable wages, education, employment opportunities, access to public facilities, and freedom from harassment by law enforcement private businesses, property owners, and house residents. This is all about housing. No, this is in, hold on. I hadn't actually read that yet. The unhoused Bill of Rights protects unhoused individuals from all, from all the housed individuals. That's <laughs> what it does. You know what the problem is, is once, you, once they protect you so hard that you move from becoming an unhoused individual to a housed individual, you lose all your rights. You do. <laughs> And you're forced to help all the other unhoused people. Because now you're housed. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. You become part of the ruling class mm. immediately at that time. The violation of their civil and human rights to housing, health care, and the housing bill of rights, livable wages, education, employment opportunities, access to public facilities, which means you got to take money from people to build public facilities, <laughs> freedom from harassment by law enforcement. I'm so sick of seeing cops get mad at people when they poop on the sidewalk. And you I know? love what Bailey says here from the live group. And a partridge in a pear tree. At the end. <laughs> <laughs> Throw in five golden rings, you know. Here's the, here's the thing. 
they're just transferring the responsibility onto everyone else because this is just a victimhood bill. Mm -hmm. They act like these things don't already exist. Livable wages, those exist. You can go get them. Okay. Education, it exists. You can go get it. Employment opportunities, there's like 8 million open jobs right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry they're in the sewer. <laughs> or they're built or they're building houses. Yeah. Or they're laying brick. Or they're laying asphalt or whatever. There's like Micro talks about this all the time. There's like eight million open jobs. There's so many employment opportunities out there right now, it's insane. Access to public facilities. Who can't go into a public facility? Yeah. I, do they not allow besides the ones they closed <laughs> down in DC and stuff? You know, they have the guards out there and whatever. What's so crazy is this is such a it's a big, there's, you know, the number is 500,000 homeless people. Of course, those are different people every night. They're, they're different, but um, still same, but different uh, every night. They're concentrated in like five cities, by the way. Like almost all of the homeless people in the United States are in just a few cities. Five is probably low, but let's just say 10. And then it's like almost none everywhere else. I mean, a very, very small amount that you could deal with with a lot lower amount of money. Okay, they want to support historic federal funding levels for state and local governments to provide 24-hour support for unhoused people, including shelters, transitional housing programs. And you know what they're going to do? You know how with poverty, we have, okay, this is what the, this is how many people are in poverty. And so we take this welfare money and we give it to people that are in poverty. And you know what we don't, what we don't do is after we give those people money to supplement their income, we don't count that as their income. They still stay in like they're in poverty. <laughs> like we don't count the money after we dole it out to them. And so we never see the actual benefits of the actions that we take. And I'm betting you, if we were to take all this money and we were to make affordable housing or shelters everywhere that would shelter everyone and we did all of this the number would actually change. Like, let's say we took a shelter in every city and it housed, put a roof over the head of every single one of these people. They would still come to you and say that we still have all these homeless people. We got to do something about this problem because they're, you know, government homeless people at that time. They'll never actually solve the problem because they don't know what the problem is. The problem is that these people don't know how to provide value to society. They want to get value from people but they don't know how to provide value or they refuse to provide value in exchange for that. And that is the problem. It's not, it's, it's not that they can't afford a house. It's that they don't want to afford a house or they don't know how to, or, or they don't, they don't have to. Or they're making decisions where they, the shelters won't even allow them in. <laughs> Going back to our eviction conversation, by the way, like if you have an assault conviction or something like that, like you're not allowed a rape conviction, you're not allowed in the shelters for the most part. Well, if, you're, if you're doing drugs, if, if you're still on drugs mm -hmm. or if you're actively high, you're act, you're an active addiction. They won't let you into the shelters. So you're making decisions where even if you do have housing available to not, to not be unhoused, you personally are making those decisions to not be housed yeah. because you won't, you can't do the things that will allow you to be housed. Now, the reason they have those things is not because of discrimination. It's not because they're racist. It's because they're trying to protect the other people in there mm -hmm. that need the shelter who don't need the threat of being raped or violated or stolen from, or when you're drunk or high, you get, you get a little crazy, man. Uh -huh. They don't want that in there. Yep. So it's wild. 
It's all absolutely right. wild. We need to wrap it up, Charlie. Tell everyone where they can go to listen to uh, the show and all that. Yeah. Let's let's close out. Well, you need to join the Fed Haters Club, and you can do that by going to joingml.com or pick up some merchandise at godhatesfeds.com. Mm. I talked to him about it this morning. He did. And he's like, I hate the feds. Yeah. You got a Bible verse actually sent yeah. to your phone, and it's specifically about hating feds. Feds are sinners. Mm-hmm. Uh, please share the show around with your friends and family. When we come back, we're going to talk about Bernie Sanders, the minimum wage, and whether or not we're all wage slaves. Liberty at night. This is Liberty at Night with Nate and Chuck on the Free Talk Live Network. I want to talk about some terrible economic proposals. So speaking of Bernie Sanders, by the way, he introduced new legislation to raise the minimum wage to $17 an hour. The fight for with inflation. The fight for 15 wages on. Yes, it is now $17. And so accounting for inflation, that's what we have to go for, which of course the federal minimum wage has stayed at seven twenty-five per hour and all the minimum wage workers are just out there making poverty wages. Which almost no one makes. Yes. Uh, Bernie says, in the year 2023, a job should lift you out of poverty, not keep you in it. Today, with another representative, 29 Democratic senators and nearly 150 representative representatives, I introduced legislation that would raise the federal minimum wage to $17 an hour by 2028. The time for Congress to act is now. All right. Estimated to benefit nearly 28 million workers or 19% of the working population. Uh, the raise the wage act of 2023 would raise the federal minimum wage to $17 per hour over five years. Eliminate the tipped sub-minimum wage over seven years. Eliminate the sub-minimum wage of workers with disabilities over five years. And eliminate the sub-minimum wage for youth workers over seven years. This is effectively his uh, attempt at destroying as many jobs as he possibly can. Uh, so if you are a... And buying as many votes as possible. Absolutely. He's, <laughs> he says this is estimated to benefit Democratic campaigns... Uh, because 28 million workers would get a raise, is, is what that essentially means. Uh, he said seven twenty five an hour federal minimum wage is a starvation wage. You know, we got a lot of people, you look around, just people starving to death in the United States, okay? He talks about tipped wages in here, and that, the point that we always make and will continue to make is I'm sick of people pretending like tipped workers make less than the minimum wage. All right. And actually, if you do. You really suck. Yeah. You're terrible at your job yeah. and you should get a different job where you have a, a guaranteed wage. If you're not good enough to make more than that, then you don't need to be waiting tables or doing tipped wages anyway. There wasn't I don't think there was a single shift where I made less than twenty dollars an hour. No. I mean, even the, that was aught seven, even if it were a really bad, let's say you made less than 20. Did you ever make less than the minimum wage waiting tables? Not once. No. I never have. Maybe some people have, but you really, you need to go get a, a guaranteed minimum wage job if, if that's what you're worried about. And so a large portion of the amount of people that they say make the minimum wage or below or whatever are people who actually make more than that, but they don't declare all of it. And it doesn't show up in the stats as we've gone through in the past. Uh, the $7.25 an hour. I mean, I claimed all mine. Oh, yeah, I did, too. <laughs> Of course, but I heard that there are some people who don't claim all of their tips. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. those people. Yeah. The uh, seven twenty-five an hour minimum wage is a starvation wage that no one makes. He didn't say that. We did. It must be raised to a living wage at least $17 an hour. In the year 2023, a job should let you out of poverty, not keep you in it. At a time of massive income and wealth inequality and record-breaking corporate profits, we can no longer tolerate millions of workers being unable to feed their families because they are working for totally inadequate wages. <clears throat> and now, why uh, is, let's say let's say 7.25 an hour. Let's pretend like a bunch of people make that, all right? Now, there's so many issues with this, but let's pretend people are making 7.25 an hour. At one point in time, 7.25 an hour was enough, Okay. Why was, is it not now? That was raised from five fifteen. Mm-hmm. I lost my first job because the minimum wage went from like five fifty to six fifty in Illinois. Mm. Got fired from my first job because of that. You used to have three people on the floor, he went down to two. And of, I got cut out. Because of one Washington. Mm-hmm. It was a Illinois, you know, rule at that time. And that's the other thing. People in really high, really, you know, high cost areas. You think they're making seven twenty-five an hour? Thirty-four states have their own minimum minimum wages that are above the federal minimum wage. So then you're down to only sixteen states that are still at the federal minimum. But then most of your workplaces have their own minimum wages that are above the minimum wage, like McDonald's, which started theirs now at eleven, and I believe Walmart did the same thing around eleven. And I think Target and others are doing it at 15 and Amazon's 15. Amazon's 15. And so we're still pretending like there's a, there's just so many people making 725 an hour because the federal minimum wage is 725 an hour, but that's, it's not the case. Also, we've talked, we talked about this back during the fight for 15 and everything else. It's never going to be enough. This is going to keep going. You know, it'll be 17 for this lead pieces legislation of Bernie Sanders last you know, last another four years, he'll introduce something else and raise it to 20. <laughs> and if he's still alive in four years after that, it'll be the fight for 25. You know, it's never going to be enough. No, and this will keep going and going and going and going. As we've been saying for like five years, the minimum wage is a dog chasing its tail. How long have we been doing this podcast? Like four f- years, four or five years, something like four that. Four years now. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess if you count the big freedom show part of this sure, podcast, yeah. it's been five years. Yeah. Same thing. And we were doing our Facebook videos for a while before we actually mm-hmm. started the podcast. Um, it, yep. it, it, Nina's little, already fighting for 25. Yep. I yeah. Mean, it's never going to be enough. I love the thing going around showing her. It's like one of those defiant L's things, like the hypocritical posts, but it basically shows her saying that it's got to be 25 and it shows her trying to hire campaign staffers at $15 an hour like a year ago. Yeah. Uh, so do as I say, not as I do. I saw really. F- but you know, she didn't have enough money to pay people $25 an hour. And so she couldn't afford to pay them whatever wage she's trying to force others, but everyone else that she's trying to force to pay that, well, they can afford to do that. And what actually ends up happening, if they can't afford to pay it, either people get fired or they'll raise their prices. Or they'll never get hired. Yeah, or the businesses will cease to exist. Those are the things that can happen. But there's no free lunch here. That, this is the way it's going to be. Either people get fired, they don't get hired, the the uh, employers will go out of business, or they got to raise all their prices to make more money to account for it, which raises the prices in the economy, which then makes that minimum wage not worth 
whatever they call a living wage anymore. Mm. That's just the way it is. If you're making the absolute minimum that people get paid, you're going to struggle versus people who make more than that. It's just a fact of life and it always will be. Mm. I saw another funny hypocritical um, tweet mash today. Yeah. It was this girl who said score one for Rand Paul's neighbor back in 2017 or whatever. Yeah. And then just a few months ago, talked about how the people who were celebrating, you know, the attack on Paul Pelosi and mm-hmm. other things like how sick that is. Pretty, and that's, that's who they are. Pretty common. That's who these people are. Yep. Yeah, but they could never imagine doing something like that. Yeah, but she's, you forgetting, Charlie, that she's, <laughs> oh, she's, she's right. right. That's right. You know, she's so, right. So that's the big difference mm-hmm. there. It's not a double standard Mm-mm. when you're right and the other person's wrong. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, Charlie, on a completely unrelated note, tell me about this story right These here. These have nothing to do with no, each they, other. In fact, this is a hard transition to a completely different topic. Topic. So yeah. I'm sorry. Switch your brain to something totally different. Chipotle, Chipotle, how do you want to say it? It's it's that quasi-Mexican restaurant where you get the burritos or bowls. They're testing a robot that can prepare avocados to Hmm. make guacamole faster. Okay. All right. Yeah. Wait, that that seems related to the last post a little bit. No, this is totally unrelated. Don't try to put these things together, Nate. Well, but Chipotle, of course, they pay their workers seven twenty-five an hour. Mm. Is um, oh no, wait, they raised it to fifteen two years ago. Uh, yeah, huh? Yep. And so now they're going to get a robot to mm. replace something that workers are spending a bunch of time doing. Has nothing to do with the other, though. No, no, it doesn't at all. Chipotle Mexican Grill has developed a robot that can cut, core, and peel avocados using its guacamole. As the restaurant industry faces a sustained labor shortage. Today it takes re- now. Why is the restaurant industry facing a sustained labor shortage? Um, because people are lazy. That's one reason. <laughs> what's but, your reason? What's the main reason? I don't know. I can't think of anything. Because okay, capitalism. Well, restaurants make very little money. Mm. It's very hard to have a successful restaurant. The margins are really thin, and. Uh, they can get shut down all the time, right? And so when you, especially during COVID and stuff, when you start to lose money, well, you can't hire people at the higher wage yeah, yeah. that you need to bring in to help out. So you just don't hire them. And then you find other ways around your labor shortage. Today, it takes roughly 50 minutes to make a batch of Chipotle's guacamole, but the avocado unveiled Wednesday could cut the prep time in half. The fast casual chain developed the collaborative robot or cobot, that's what they're calling it, in partnership with Vibu Labs, a California-based robotics startup. Chipotle also announced Wednesday that its $50 million venture arm, Cultivate Next, is investing in Vibu. Financial terms weren't disclosed. The announcement came uh, come as the company and its rivals have experimented with robotics and other forms of automation. The broader restaurant industry is struggling with a shrinking workforce and rising wages. The broader restaurant industry is struggling with a shrinking workforce and rising wages. But you know what's important here, Charlie? The totally unrelated. The workers that remain employed are making $15 an hour. As wage slaves. <laughs> Chained. And they are very happy about that. Yeah. 
But of course, as I tweeted out this morning, the real minimum wage is zero. Because if you're not worth what the restaurant is being forced to pay you, uh, or if they can get something to do it for cheaper, and right now robots have not unionized, uh, then people will move in another direction. Yeah. You think there will be a robotics union? They're they're going to do something with robots. I mean, clearly the robots themselves are not going to unionize, but once we move into more and more automation, um, you're right, the look you just gave me when I said they're not going to unionize, I mean... In the future, we're going to look at robots as if they have rights and as people eventually. Maybe Mm -hmm. not in our lifetimes, but eventually we will look at them as essentially human beings. And we will have debates over the slavery of the robots. Mm. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. We won't, but maybe our kids will. I'm not sure. Listen how cool this thing is. Hal Chipotle's Autocado. So, it's cute. Mm -hmm. Autocado. Mm-hmm. To prepare avocados using the avocado, Chipotle employees load up the device with a full case of the ripe fruit. The avo- the avocado can hold up to twenty five pounds at one time. Then the machine vertically orients the avocados, slices them in half, and removes their cores and skin. A bowl at the bottom collects the fruit, which employees can then hand mash and mix with the rest of the guacamole ingredients. Plus, you're saving employees from potentially cutting their hands. and This thing is going to be super dangerous in the robot-human wars. Mm. I'll tell you that. I do not want to tangle up with this thing. Now look at this. On top of saving time and labor costs, the robot could also cut food waste. That's good. If the chain deploys the Autocado across its footprint of more than 3,200 locations, it could help save millions of dollars on avocados annually, the company said. Despite those savings, guacamole will probably still cost customers extra. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been testing out automation for other kitchen tasks. Since September, one of the company's California locations has been using Chippy, an autonomous tortilla chip maker created by Miso Robotics. Um, we've got a few more months of that restaurant test before we'll officially make the decision whether there's any more refactoring that needs to be done or whether Chippy is ready to go into a different restaurant. Notice what he said there. They're not they're not saying, hey, we we're testing this out and we're it's not working, so we're gonna not deploy it. It's like, hey, we're testing this for a few more months to see if we need to work out any other kinks before we actually go deploy it at other restaurants. Yeah. It's coming. It is. It is. And uh of course, like I said, I mean there are people there that are making fifteen, but they're coming. coming. <laughs> it's gonna replace people. Uh, because people are getting too expensive to employ. And then what are we going to do with those unemployed people? And now we've got a $17 an hour minimum wage, which is which is not actually going to happen. But uh, we got we got the minimum wage in your state uh, that they have to account for. We're just going to put them on the government dole, which but is going to come from all of our money from the people who are working. Look, this is nothing mm-hmm. new. Anybody who works in manufacturing knows that robots have been at play for Oh, a yeah. long time. We've been doing automation for 150 years now. Yeah. I mean, the sophistication now that they have in manufacturing is just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's going to, you know, you're going to keep finding ways to innovate and improve the process. So, I mean, McDonald's did it with humans, right? They took the, they took the restaurant experience, or back then it was the, the car hop experience, and they literally created systems in place to make food faster, to make it uh, more reliable, to get the same amount, or I'm sorry, to 
get the consistency that people would expect no matter what McDonald's you go to. And they created the first fast food chain. Um, assembly that, line. Assembly line, yeah. Mm-hmm. With food. And so this has been going on for 100 years now. Quite some time. Yeah. And uh, of course, there's just going to be more and more. And Charlie, the Socialist Party of Great Britain put out this PSA to let everyone know that you are a wage slave. Now that sounds like a controversial analogy, in my opinion. God, that picture of Marx at the bottom just... <sighs> no, I mean, I, I need I need you to know this, Charlie. I do not agree with people comparing things to slavery. <laughs> I think that that is wrong. Slavery was very, very violent and terrible and one of the worst things that's ever happened in human history. How can you compare wages on. to chattel slavery? I know. You're making money and you can leave if you want to. This and you can mockery. go somewhere else. This is the most racist post I have ever seen. And I'm sure everyone's going to be jumping all over that. You know, of course they are. Nina probably responded multiple times to this. Oh, I movie. know. I know. Uh, they say you're a wage slave. You spend the majority of your existence working, not by choice, but because you are coerced under the threat of becoming impoverished, hungry, and homeless. Now, we just can't. like dogs. I mean, they <laughs> are <clears throat> domesticated human dog food slaves. Yes. Because without... That's uh, they would just be roaming the wild. You spend the majority of your existence working, not by choice, but because you're coerced. Now you don't have to. There's a lot of people who don't work. All right. In fact, the common number is of five hundred thousand people that are homeless. Okay. And then there's a lot of other people who don't work who still are on government money and aren't homeless. Okay. So you're coerced. And how are you coerced under the threat of becoming impoverished, hungry, and homeless? How do you not be impoverished, hungry, and homeless? Other people would have to work to provide you with things. Okay. So if you're hungry, well, other people are going to have to farm and grow food and ship it to you so you can have it. Or if you're homeless, other people are going to have to build houses and make furniture and and do all these things that go into a house. And if you have to exchange any value with them whatsoever, then that is coercion. Slavery. Yes. Instead, those people should just do it for you, and you shouldn't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. Just trying to break down what they're saying in the first two two sentences. Here's a newsflash. You don't have to work at a job. No. You can farm yourself. You can build your own house. Sure. And I know you probably still have to pay property taxes, but that's the government's fault. Mm. Now you're a tax slave. Can we say that? No. Absolutely not. Only wage oh. slaves exist. Okay. Only wage slaves. That's, I'm sorry. Only things. I didn't mean that slipped out. Only things where you can leave anytime you want and you can also just choose not to do anything and take money from other people are slavery. Okay. Everything besides that. The things where if you don't do it, they'll put you in prison or kill you, those are not slavery. No. Okay, I just want to draw the distinction here. Very different things. I just, you know, I'm, I'm to the point. I said this about businesses when they keep raising the minimum wage. I hope all businesses close down. <laughs> you know? I say this about, you know, women complaining about men. I hope all men quit. I hope they stop <laughs> building houses. I hope they stop working on the sewer. I hope they stop with the HVAC systems. I hope they stop all the things that men do. I hope they stop. 
And then we'll see how nice society looks after that. And the same way with this, you know, he just can trans women keep doing those things. I don't know. I don't know. And then, you know, could say, I could say the same thing about men too. the men who complain about women. I hope all the women quit. Yeah. Stop nurturing. Stop, stop, uh, providing the, the talent. Stop making sandwiches. Stop, stop washing the dishes. Yeah. I'll just say what you're thinking, Charlie. Stop doing the laundry and see what society looks like. Then mop the floor and see how long that lasts. Stop being a mom. You know, (laughs) and I I say the same thing about (laughs) Jesus. I'm going to get torn up for this one. I could say the same thing about this too, which is like, all right, you know, all the businesses are now closed. So you're no longer going to be a wage slave. Yeah. So now what are you going to do? I don't know. You know, there's not even any food for your wife to make for you. (laughs) She's got to quit by default. So how is she going to work when there's no mops to buy? (laughs) Because the mop makers. No one made them. Yeah. You know, they all went out. Yeah, I'm calling for a life, like a general life strike. Everyone's just Everyone quit. just quit everything. Do you have any Kool-Aid and, that people can drink, maybe? And then so. the people, I think, will create a better society because the people who survive that after everyone goes on strike will be the society, will be the, the most coveted, created society ever known. Okay. Until we need another reset in a couple hundred years. I'll try anything once. <laughs> um, a couple other dumb things in here you and your employer are in conflict their profits will generally rise as your wages fall or stagnate now who's ever had their wage go down at a job not very many people i mean literally you're like oh we've been paying you uh eight dollars an hour we're gonna reduce your wage to 750 an hour i think the most people who probably see it are in sales well yeah typically if you if you sell a lot then they'll start to dwindle your commission Mm-hmm. Um, and it happens to some people. Some people get demoted. Um, that does happen. But for the most part, most companies, that's not happening. You're typically getting at least a cost of living raise every year. To you, having an employer is essential to survive. To them, you're just another source of labor from which they can profit. Now, you you are. To them, you're only useful if you generate profits. If you can't make them money or someone else will toil harder or longer than you for the same wage than you can be disposed of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what? So if someone else is willing to work the job and, and you're not, and you, so you can be fired. What, what about the person who's okay with working the job? Slavery. Like, do you have more rights than they do? It's just slavery, Nate. That sounds like slavery, of course. Um, You're only useful if you generate profits. Yes, this is not a jobs program, okay? Walmart is trying to make money, and they do that by providing things to people. If they don't provide things to people that are more valuable to them than the money that they have in their pockets, then they're not going to make any money. But if if you hire someone, and every time you hire someone, you lose money on that person, then you'll go out of business. You must make money from the person. Or at least break even and maybe they're like a family member or something like that. I don't know. Money is just a social construct part of the the, the patriarchy <laughs> and slavery. Yes. All those things. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one more. Okay. I wanted well, to go back real quick and read the bottom because this is oh, the God. this is the plan. Where'd it go? 
here. You're not alone in this struggle. There are around 3 billion workers just like you worldwide forced to work or suffer the consequences. Together, you can take possession of this planet's natural resources and take control of the workplaces and put an end to this just like they did in the Soviet Union. <laughs> just like that. And the rise of the USSR. You can take possession of this planet's natural resources? Take control of the workplaces. I thought possession was a bad thing. I thought yeah. that's what we were fighting against over here. Just like John Lennon was. <sighs> Imagine. No possessions? <laughs> no religion too? <laughs> Hard to imagine. <laughs> All right, folks, thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. Remember, you can hang out with us every Tuesday night here on the Free Talk Live Network. You can also listen to Good Morning Liberty on your favorite podcast app, and you can get to that by going to BernieLies.com on your browser. That'll bring up all of the links that we could possibly have, or you can just search it on your favorite podcast app. You can go to our merch store which is godhatesfeds.com. I get it, God doesn't hate anyone. But can't you at least admit with us that if he was going to hate anyone, it would definitely be some feds, am I right? So get your God Hates Feds t-shirt at godhatesfeds.com. We'll see you next week. This is Mark Edge with Free Talk Live. Mark Warden with porcupinerealestate.com is one of the best real estate agents I've ever worked with. I've been through about two dozen real estate transactions in my life, and I feel like I know what I'm doing, but there's always the things that you don't know that you don't know. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com found a problem with the house that I was buying that ultimately saved me $65,000. He's a consummate professional, holds his people to his own high standards, and I would unequivocally recommend him for any real estate purchase in New Hampshire. Don't sell yourself short. Contact porcupinerealestate.com.